Welcome to another episode of Splice Together. Um. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm Harper. If you find my brother's killer, I'll give you anything. When she said anything, she meant it. She was talking about doing the nasty. And I like doing the nasty. And I am Michelle. What does she mean, inner voices? I don't think that's any of her business. But it's her job to ask questions. You are so dumb. I don't have inner voices. Now, Jan, paranoid schizophrenia is very common. And we're back for our last episode of the year. Yay! No more movies. We're taking off... uh, (laughs) For our December roundup, it's going to be postponed, sort of, because we're, we're not doing be, one. Well, yeah, that's why I said sort of. We're not we're even be doing it <laughs> on vacation, uh, taking some time off, and then uh, when we get back, we'll be doing our hundredth episode. One hundred. We'll have all kinds of fun surprises for you all, hopefully. <laughs> what will really happen will be a last minute rushed mini segment extravaganza yeah when you listen to it we'll have recorded it like minutes before <laughs> yeah it'll be, we'll do it live yeah. we'll do it live <laughs> um, but today's episode we're going to do what we always do at the end of the year which is our discoveries for the year so um, nice good idea so the way we uh define this so this it's basically movies that we saw either one or both of us for the first uh, <laughs> What? I'm on it. For the first time. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> movies we saw for the first time this year. Not new movies. They're older movies. Um, and typically... We discovered them. Yeah, nobody else has ever no seen them No one has ever before. talked about these movies in the way that we have appreciated <laughs> and found them from like these nobody directors. <laughs> but it is uh, it is bonus points if the movie's like lesser known because... That's the fun of uh, of being obsessed with movies is you watch a bunch of movies that are okay so that you can find these like kind of quote, hidden gems as the term is used too much. but Or not so hidden and they just took forever to find them. Yeah. That sounds like the definition of hidden. Not so <laughs> hidden. It was there all along. It was in our hearts in all our along. Hearts. And our mini segment is going to be our top 10s of 2023. So these are the new movies. New, as in this year. Yeah. Came out this year. Top 10. That's right. Of me and you. That's correct. 10 each. That is correct. <laughs> I imagine we'll overlaps. Have, I imagine we'll have mostly overlap, probably. But we'll see. Imagine we'll see. what your number one's going to be. <laughs> it's not what you think. It, um (laughs) all right so uh let's jump in because we got a bunch of these movies to talk about for our discoveries but wait oh my god i'm just kidding (laughs) harper gave me the look (laughs) he's got the look (laughs) it sounds like you just drank a coke but i know you have it (laughs) because i'm so sleepy 
I'm getting and loopy. I, um, anemic today. <laughs> All right. So first movie. Anemia is real. Oh my god. Do you want to start or? <laughs> Our first movie is A Man Escaped from 1956, also called Un Condemne a Mort Echape. <laughs> My mistake. It became very uh, Italian there for a second. Was that Italian? It's France. supposed to be French. <laughs> I don't know what was happening. I just like that it's like chap, a man. The man part is chap. <laughs> uh, I think that's escape. Oh, you're right. Echape. <laughs> I thought condemne would be like condemned. It's probably the condemned man escaped. And mort is death, right? Un con- uh, a prisoner death escapes death. That's probably what it translates to. Anyways, uh, this movie's directed by Robert <laughs> Bresson. Uh, a captured French... Oh, resist- wait, there's another name for it? The wind bloweth where it listeth. Whoa. That sounds crazy. That is is that what that means? I don't know. On a podcast I used to listen to, they were looking at alternate country names for Child's Play 2, and the funniest one was from Ukraine. It was Child's Entertainment 2. Hmm. Child's <laughs> Entertainment. <Yeah. laughs> uh, all right. So a man escaped. A captured French resistance fighter during World War II engineers a daunting escape from prison, starring a bunch of French folks. French folks. That we didn't recognize. Uh, but yeah, we watched it a while back. Um, I this think this was part of our prison break movies. It was, yeah. So we've talked, obviously, pretty much all these. Most of our discoveries before. are from our big episodes. Yeah, a lot of them, which is big cool. Boys. That means the podcast is doing its job. It's forcing us to watch interesting <laughs> stuff. Um, so why does this one stand out? Why does it deserve to be on our list? Because it was a very like straightforward movie all about the method of this prison escape and it sounds so boring but then when you're watching it it's like oh my god it's so simple and it just works it's incredibly intense and based on a true story like down to very very tiny details apparently and it's so like accurate into the original story yeah like the true story like this is just it it's basically a fake documentary about what actually happened (laughs) yeah i mean it's filmed in the place where it really happened and with the tools that the guy really used to escape Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and it's just like super clever the way they that he finds to escape and it's super tense um and uh it's just beautifully paced and really it's a very quiet movie but really intense movie um we loved this one when we watched it um so, how, do you remember how we heard about this one? This seems like one that... I think this one just popped up on a lot of lists when we were looking for a prison escape movies, did and we, then... We did a prison escape movie episode. I thought we did something like that. We did a heist one. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Did we talk about this for that? I don't know. Anyways. Anyway, I saw this on a lot of people's like letterbox list as being a really good heist slash escape movie. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we did talk about it, but maybe we didn't. I don't leave that many detailed notes about why we watched the movie. <laughs> you came up with that question on here. <laughs> well, Anyways. because there could be an interesting thing. I don't know. Do you remember a favorite part of this one that stuck with you? It was a while back. When Mine was when they were on the rooftop yeah, and definitely. they hear this like noise that keeps, it's very like on schedule. Like it keeps going off every like few minutes and they're like, what is it? And then they're jumping from like rooftop to rooftop and then they finally see it's like a guard on a bicycle. Which like throws off their whole yeah, schedule. Yeah, because they're like, what? Because he can move much faster and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably agree. That's probably the most memorable scene. But I mean, the whole thing is super intense. Uh, mm-hmm. There's all this stuff about him like 
getting pieces of wood out of the door, but like making sure he can replace them back so it doesn't look like anything's missing. And yeah, yeah, it's like so complex. Um, Shawshank Redemption, eat your heart out, basically. <laughs> this is so much better. Um, is this a movie you'd recommend to everybody or to like a certain type of Maybe people who like heist movies slash prison break movies because yeah. since it's older and it's in French, not everyone's going to want to watch that. True. I mean, I think this also would probably, I mean, I think it's a, a great movie that anybody could probably enjoy, but uh, I do think also like a history buff or a war person who's interested in war yeah. stuff. Cause it is, I mean, this is during the Nazi occupation kind of thing. So, um, you know, if you're interested in that, that might be a good reason to watch it too. And if you love France. France. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else to say about Amon Escapta? Nope. It is streaming on Criterion Channel. Yeah. Very much worth a watch, as are every movie we're about to mention. Um, so our next one is, do you want to introduce this one? No. No, get out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so our next movie is Failsafe, which came out in 1964, directed by Sidney Lumet. It will have you sitting on the brink of eternity because of a technical defect of an American bomber team mistakenly orders the destruction of Moscow. The president of the United States has but little time to prevent an atomic catastrophe from occurring. Dun, dun, dun. Starring Henry Fonda, Walter Matthau, yeah. <laughs> Fritz Weaver, uh, a bunch of American folks that we don't recognize. <laughs> um, so, Failsafe was definitely a part of one of our episodes. We discovered it when researching the apocalypse episode we did yeah, in the summer. Summer Meltdown. Uh, pretty much every movie we watched for that was like, uh, like f- close to five stars. Like they were all really, yeah. That really whole good. episode was just so great. We were such good at doing that. Well, we just, ha- I mean, either, <laughs> e- either something about that subject, or we just, yeah, there happened to be a lot of really good movies in that kind of subgenre. But yeah, um, and this one we mostly heard about because everyone said Doctor Strangelove is the exact same movie, just the comedic version. So this is the serious version. Yeah, and very serious. But mm-hmm. um, it's funny because you can definitely tell that they've got like obviously a lot in common story-wise, but they're so vastly different movies. Um, but this is really, really good. Um, I mean, you know, it goes kind of in the same vein as as something like Threads or something where it's like really devastatingly dark uh, towards the end, especially, but, um, you know, just really highlights like the, uh, the ridiculousness of the, like of the cold war nuclear standoff. It's insane. It's also another one that's really, really tense without doing too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot at stake, so that's probably what stood out the most. It's just really guys just on the phone all the time, (laughs) but like what they say and how they say it and how their interpreters are trying to like interpret correctly without giving like any inclinations of something good or bad. And then like they use sound design to uh, get some big big explosions across in a very little way. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really cool moment. But then, yeah, the ending is just insane. It is. And I, I'd written in my review that there are at least two moments in the movie that I think my heart might have stopped while we were watching because <laughs> <laughs> it's so intense. Um, but yeah, I mean, this goes in that other subgenre of like 
horrifying things are happening outside, but we're only hearing about it like on the radio or through the phone kind of thing. Yeah. Which is a cool subgenre that I like. What was your favorite part? Um, I mean, probably the whole phone going dead thing. Like, I don't want to spoil it too much. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I think that's, is that what you were talking about mm-hmm. when you were the sound design thing? Yeah, it's that's sound. really cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to spoil yeah. it, but that, that moment is <laughs> insane and heartbreaking. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil the ending either, but the ending was like, oh my God, like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, it's wild. This is crazy. So, Failsafe was definitely unexpected. And again, that whole episode, our summer meltdown was like, why do we have nuclear weapons? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do we get ourselves into these predicaments? <laughs> yeah, it's not the last one we're going to talk about in this episode yeah. either um, from that from that meltdown episode. Um, yeah, this one is definitely pretty terrifying in that sense that it's like, why do we all put ourselves through this? So would you recommend it to everybody or just some people? Anybody who, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't what? know. What? Who loves I, bombs? No, no, I, I couldn't <laughs> think of something funny. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'd recommend this to anybody. It's it's really, really excellent. I mean, it's just super tense and just a really good movie. But it does not leave you. It's it, another war movie. It's another black sure. and white movie. It's another old 60s movie, but it's by Sidney Lumet. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're getting something good. We're going in chronological <laughs> order for these. So that's why these, they're not all going to be from the They're 50s all from 1963. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, yeah, it is an older movie. But uh, yeah, don't watch this one if you're like, it's not a party movie. No. <laughs> it's a like sit on the couch wrapped in heat blankets. Yeah. With some ice cream. And then uh, <laughs> and then going outside and building your And then contemplating your entire life and all the choices you've made yeah, and whether some, or not. <laughs> something like <you're>, that. <laughs> and then you go and watch another movie. Then watch Dr. Strangelove right after. Yeah, then you'll, you'll be probably okay. even out. <laughs> this one is not currently streaming. You can rent it on Amazon and Apple. And we own it on Criterion, so it's surprising it's not yeah, I feel like Criterion, Criterion Channel. Channel should have everything on it that they own, but I guess maybe they can't. If they did that, nobody would buy the Blu-rays. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> maybe. But yeah, fail safe. Go watch it. Yeah. Um, so the next one is the first one uh, that we watched apart. Uh-oh. Almost forgot. <sighs> Discovered apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Um, so this one is one, I think I briefly talked about it when I watched it. It is The Monster of the Opera by Renato Polselli, uh, for 1964. Um, a theater troupe's young, energetic leader has secured an old theater in which to produce his new production. The theater's elderly caretaker urges the group to leave at once. A vampire is awakened and discovers that one of the troupe is the reincarnation of the woman who he once loved. A vampire? Um, starring a bunch of Italian folks. I don't think I recognized anybody. Um, this director did a, I think it's a giallo called um, Deliri- Delirium that I just recently ordered and I'm super excited to watch because I loved this one so much. Um, so this one's, it's a gothic, uh, Italian gothic black and white uh, movie. It's in that um, uh, Danza Macabre um, volume one. Uh, is that Arrow? Se- Severin box set. Um, so that's how you heard about it? Yeah, I bought that box set because <laughs> you I- You just bought it. Well, I had- like, huh. <laughs> I had been enjoying some other Italian Gothic movies. Um, and so when they put that out, I was like, oh, cool. These are four that I didn't know anything about. So um, so I spent a bunch of money on them. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, this was probably my favorite one in that whole box set. I've talked about Lady Frankenstein too, and I think that's in the honorable mentions. Um, but I really love this one. Um, the restoration is really good. The black and white cinematography is gorgeous, and it's got really cool cinematography. Um, and there's probably the coolest thing in this movie is there's like a part, I guess it's kind of my favorite scene, where the dance troupe, they're like stuck in the building, kind of in like a weird almost um, exterminating angel kind of way. Like they just can't leave and there's not like a specific reason. Um, I love movies where they can't yeah, do where something um, <laughs> and they don't know why. <laughs> and they figure out somehow, I can't remember how, that like if they're moving, then they can't get taken by this like monster vampire thing. And so they start a dance party? Yeah, basically they start <laughs> dancing, but they're all like exhausted. So they're like collapsing so it turns into they shoot horses. Yeah. So it's a little bit like they shoot horses or like the devils. It's got that kind of like just kind of craziness to it. Um, and there's just a lot of really cool gothic stuff going on um, while it, while not being like, oh, like almost every one of these other gothic movies that I've watched is like lady in white dress with a candle in an old mansion or a castle. And this is like totally different. Taking place a like lady in, the opera in a house. red dress. Well, it's also takes place in modern day. It's not a period piece. Modern day of sixteen. In an apartment. Um, but yeah, it's super cool. This movie was really, really interesting, and I feel like uh, more folks ought to hear about it. Which is exactly why it's on my discovery well, list. Well, what people would like it though, Harper? Well, if you're into what like people, if you're into old school horror like gothic horror, if you like like Hammer stuff or you know Universal. What horror, about? Guillermo del Toro movies. I'm sure he loves this. Like Crimson Peak. People who love Crimson Peak, would they like this? I mean, yeah, it's definitely in the same gothic. Don't lie to us. I'm not. It's in the same <laughs> gothic uh, era territory for sure. Um, People who love Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not. It's definitely not the same story, but it takes. it's sort of similar. Um, but yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Were there, were there any other questions on our thing that I need to answer? Is Let's it see. streaming? Uh, it is currently on Tubi, so if you don't want to buy a whole we box set. We love Tubi. In this house, we respect the Tubi. Nice. Good idea. Yeah. Tubi was a great idea. It is a great idea. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Monster of the Opera from 1964. Cool. Next on our list, Seconds, which cool. came out in 1966, directed by John Frankenheimer. This was the first movie I put on my discoveries list. This is a, a long tagline. Boy. Who are seconds? The answer is almost too terrifying for words from the bold, bizarre bestseller. The story of a man who buys for himself a totally new life. A man who lives the age-old dream. If only I could live my life all over again. Uh, 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 seconds. So, Seconds about a secret organization who offers wealthy people a second chance at life. The customer picks out someone they want to be, and the organization surgically alters the customers to look like the intended person. Um, they stage the customer's death, gets rid of the intended person, and the customer takes on a new life, starring Rock Hudson. And maybe Salom Jens? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if any of the other folks were... John Randolph. He's in Christmas Vacation and a lot of stuff. Murray Hamilton, the the mayor from Jaws. We love the mayor from Jaws. It's true. So, yeah. This is a sci-fi, basically a Twilight Zone episode. It is like an extended Twilight Zone episode. So, you know you're into something good. 
I don't really remember. I kind of feel like I just had heard about this one and I was like, I'm just going to watch it because it, it sounds also, interesting. The cover on Letterboxd is not that cool, but the Criterion like uh, disc cover is so cool. I, it's been on my wish list for years based almost solely on that cover. <laughs> what do you mean? I like the Letterboxd one. It's okay. The like fisheye thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. But the, the Criterion one's the one where it's like it's like a mechanical press that's like pressing people. Hold on, I've got to Google it. It's very it's cool. It's okay. Oh, I love it. Oh, I, I like the fisheye cool. one. <laughs> we have to talk like this now. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, not too sure. I think, yeah, it was just on a lot of sci-fi. Also, it's counted as a horror movie. I, I guess mean, I could see that. I mean, yeah, in the same way that like Twilight There's Zone is thematic horror. some horror stuff going on. Um. It's like a we've gone too far technology, yeah. black mirror kind of horror. It's a little complicated um, as far as like what's actually happening, like the technology side of it, because um, I would, the whole movie I kept thinking like, well, if they just change their, they're basically just getting like plastic surgery. So what does that have to do with anything? It's like, how do you take over someone's whole life? What if you're a different height? Like, <laughs> Oh, they can change that. <laughs> they can change all of it. Um, but it's, it feels really like realistic. Mm -hmm. And I love the first like initial setup of it. It's like this dude's like, Hey, I heard about this thing. You want to do it? <laughs> yeah. What if I can give you that? And then he just like, okay, I hate my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then what 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 stood out for you? I mean, I think it's just kind of amazing. This is like a perfect movie to me. Um, there's those awesome funhouse mirror credits at the beginning. Uh, the ending is super bleak and interesting. Um, I it's like really brutal and but also feels very like. Uh, and and sci-fi and kind of weird, but also feels very like familiar and believable in that it's just like everyday life. Like the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. Um, and there's, well, yeah, I've got, I've got a favorite scene kind of on tap, but tell uh, me. Uh, so there's a part when, uh, I can't remember which name is which, uh, I think Tony is the name of that when he, uh, once he's changed into a new person, Tony goes back and he like, sets it up so he can meet his wife who his wife who was married to him before he changed identities. Yeah. And at, basically is talking to her about her husband that she thinks is deceased. And she just talks about like that. She never quite understood him. And like this, that he was essentially a sad person. And like, it's like one of the most heartbreaking scenes I feel like I saw all year. Yeah. Cause she's kind of like, okay with all of it. Well, she's just like, I, you know, I <laughs> don't know what happened thriving. to him. And, yeah. You know, uh, you know, I never felt like I understood him. He always seems so sad and it's just like really, uh, it's very sad. The yeah. whole scene is really sad. And, um, and just the whole thing, like, and the kind of bleak, like, you know, this doesn't work out in the end. And, you know, it's also very like kind of, I would say maybe kind of anti-corporate in a way. Um, like the, like the company is really the bad, like it seems like they're offering you the world and it's not really as perfect as it seems. Yeah. Um, but also the movie just feels like, it feels like this is very clearly a huge influence on a lot of big sci-fi movies later. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Brazil definitely feels like it's in the same mold. And um, I feel like us definitely owes a little bit to this too. Yeah. I could see that too. What I do, can't remember like a specific, scene or anything I, this is the one where they're like stomping on wine grapes right making wine is it 
I can't. Or maybe remember. I'm thinking of something else. No, that might be a different movie. Yeah, I can't. Remember. Or is it this movie? <laughs> I can't remember now. I don't know. I don't remember that. <laughs> um, but let's see. Would you recommend it to certain groups? Um, I mean, certainly, like if you are interested in like the Twilight Zone, Black Mirror style sci-fi and you know very like moral metaphoric story then this is definitely up your okay, alley hold on this is the wine stomping okay. scene they have they go to that crazy like beach party it's all these weird hippies oh, and he's yeah. like where am i what have i done <laughs> and they're all just like going insane in this giant barrel of grapes i did forget about that yeah <laughs> that's the part i remember <laughs> I totally forgot about that part. but yeah this is a great sci-fi uh movie yes pure sci-fi we like that it, there's also interesting subtext given rock hudson's history yeah um you know having to pretend to be someone you're not uh mm -hmm. you know was something he obviously had to do for a long time and so that's an interesting it kind of adds another layer to it yes um, yeah, I mean, I, to me, th this might be, I don't know if it's the only one on my list, but that is, but it's certainly one of the ones on here. That's a five out of five. It's like a perfect movie to me. Uh, yeah, it's really good. I think I only gave it four stars, but it's a high four. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's currently streaming on Canopy. If you have a library card. Libraries. Yay. Libraries. Libraries. Get yourself a library card. <laughs> And you can probably rent it on Amazon or Apple. Yeah. Both show. Surprised it's not also on the Criterion channel. Way to go, Criterion. Yeah, come on now. Um, so our next movie is Planet of the Apes. Ape has killed <laughs> ape. Ape has <laughs> killed ape. So this came out in 1968, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner. Somewhere in the universe, there must be something better than man. And yeah, I was confused about it too. And U.S. <laughs> and U.S. Like that's not the proper way they say it. A U.S. spaceship lands on a desolate planet, stranding ast astronaut Taylor in My a world God. dominated by apes. Two thousand years into the future, I'm in the future, and there's apes, <laughs> basically, who use a primitive race of humans for experimentation and, the and sport. Are being used Charlton for Heston, sport. keep quiet. <laughs> Soon, Taylor finds himself among the hunted. I'm among the hunted. Oh my God. <laughs> you gotta say it with more teeth his life in the hands of benevolent chimpanzee scientists this chimpanzee scientist is better. benevolent <laughs> <laughs> so oh boy. this stars Charlton Heston Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans James Whitmore and James Daly and Linda Harrison oh my probably God. a bunch of other people I you won't recognize wrong. Yeah, do we still have any of our no, ape I stuff I don't think we do ape has ape I'm afraid we don't. I'm sorry. Um, so obviously, this was part of our franchise episode because we had never seen the Planet of the Apes movies. And guess what? This was the first movie we watched this year. It was. We're starting the year right. We always try to start the movie with, although that's probably not going to happen this year. Start the, <laughs> the year with yeah. like Joe Dirt this year. We'll see what uh, happens. <laughs> yeah, we try and start the year with like something on a very high classic movie note. We yeah. did like Lawrence of Arabia the year before. Um, but yeah. I mean, this is a movie I've been wanting to watch forever. Forever. Because I had only ever seen the new ones. Um, and next year, the new one's supposed to come out, so we can hopefully do a volume two. Part two of the new franchise. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I was super surprised that I liked it so much because I mean, I know obviously people have heard of it in the franchise, but when you go back and watch it, it's like, this, this is, is kind of Planet crazy. Of the like the practical effects are really good, even yeah. though it's just like coconut mouse. I still love well, it. <laughs> the, the makeup in this one in particular is really good. It gets significantly worse as the franchise yeah. goes on. It gets cheaper. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, yeah, here it's like really impressive. In the beginning, I You'll think... You'll believe an ape can talk. Yeah, I feel like I had seen parts of like later on, but the whole beginning of them actually getting stranded, mm. like I had never seen that before. I was like, that's kind of cool on its own you too. You remember when we started watching, you're like, oh, there's going to be a woman? Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, she's <laughs> nope, dead. She's gone. <laughs> like 30 seconds in a movie. She dead. <laughs> a woman. <laughs> <laughs> um... And, but yeah, I think the, even the overall, it's not just like, it's like, there's more philosophical stuff going on too, for you to think about in like the conservative religious debates, mm-hmm. science versus God, all this crazy stuff. So they fit all of that in. And then as a bonus, you get Charlton Heston just running around half naked all the time. That's true. With lots and lots of teeth. <laughs> there was some, I remember there was some piece of trivia that like, this is the first PG movie to have like a butt in it because yeah. you see his butt when they're all you see like lots of butts. bathing in the river or whatever. <laughs> um, there were a bunch of things that I really liked about this. Like um, it feels like this is one of the first like hard sci-fi, like space travel, time travel movies that takes itself completely seriously without yeah. like having to rely on being like super corny. Um, and uh, it also, it kind of amazed me that um the movie takes place in a world in an America in the 1970s where it's widely accepted that evolution is, uh, or real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that made me sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you said. It's, it's a classic for a reason and it, you know, it spawned the first, arguably the first science fiction movie blockbuster franchise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was super glad we finally got to watch this and the whole franchise, but this one's probably the best. What was your favorite part? Um, probably the butt. I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. The butt. Um, I mean, the ending's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say the ending. I mean, most it's probably been spoiled for most people, but the ending goes hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine being in the theater, and then that ending happens, you and you're like, fainted. what? They walk outside. What? What if, <laughs> wouldn't it be like the greatest prank of all time if people saw Planet Apes for the first time? And then outside the theater, they like had all a bunch of people dressed as apes so that people left the theater. And then it was, they were like, oh my God, it's real. <laughs> people probably like lose their minds. Yeah, definitely. Wish we could go back in time. That's what I would do if I could go back in time. That's my new answer a bunch for of if there's apes. a time machine. Just go back and pull a, <laughs> a prank, bunch of ape, ape suits. prank. Yeah. <laughs> um, who would you recommend this for? I mean, sci-fi fans of any kind, for and sure. And monkey fans. And, you can, and uh, if you're a big chimp or... <laughs> Ape or gorilla, orangutan, anything in the primate family. Yeah, definitely people who like sci-fi movies, people who like apes, people who like Roddy McDowell, people who like teeth. Charlton Heston, if you're a big NRA (laughs) fan. Yeah. Even, you know. Um, (laughs) You'll pry it from my cold ape hand. Basically. (laughs) Get your damn dirty ass off my... Pause. Pause? You damn dirty apes. Damn dirty apes. It's been a while. Oh my God, I was wrong. <laughs> also, here's another, you should watch it if you've only ever seen the Simpsons parodies. Yeah. <laughs> because that makes them even funnier. 
Um, so it's not currently streaming, but you can rent it on Amazon and Apple, where apparently all the movies go to die. Yeah, and there's the the box set we got of like the original quadrilogy or whatever was pretty cheap, I think. It was probably like 20, 25 bucks for all it's four movies. It's not bad for a bunch of and it's a nice set that's got really bizarre CGI. Oh my god, ape yeah, the beginnings are so weird. In the beginning, Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss, yeah, it's Dr. Seuss intros are really strange. The ancient scrolls of the planet of the that's a good impression. Thank you. Um, so yeah, go watch Planet of the Apes if it's been a while or if you've never seen it. Do one. the entire series leading up to the new one like we're going to do yeah, again. Very exciting. <laughs> so next. Oh, snap. It's time to talk about Targets, which I am trying to find and pull up. Okay, Targets uh, from 1968, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Targets are people, and you could be one of them. Targets are people, and people are targets. It could should have just been like, you could be a target. <laughs> uh, the fate of a washed-up horror actor intersects with a psychotic sniper on a killing spree. Starring... Sorry, I thought you... Uh, Tim, I was going to say how we heard about it, and I forgot we uh, didn't say who's in it. <laughs> uh, Tim O'Kelly, Boris Karloff, Arthur Peterson... Uh, Monty Landis, Peter Bogdanovich. I don't know if I recognize anybody else. Um, yeah, go on. So basically, the Criterion Channel Twitter feed influences me a lot. Half of the movies we watch are <laughs> things that Michelle sees on Criterion's Twitter or on Reddit, where it's like, if I like, uh, then, uh, what should I watch? if I like Avengers, <laughs> what should I watch that's not boring and not Avengers? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I heard of this, and it sounded so bizarre to me because it's it frames it as if Boris Karloff is like helping solve a murder or yeah. something, but it's not quite like it's that. It's a super strange movie. <laughs> I had heard about it actually a long time ago. I've wanted to watch it for a long time because it was in this really good book called um, Shock Value by something Zimmerman. I can't remember his first name. Um, but And it talks about how this was an early movie that was just like blowing people's minds because... It was a movie that would show at drive-in theaters and the whole climax of the movie takes place at a drive-in theater where a guy is shooting people with a sniper rifle. Yeah. (laughs) It's really dark and really brutal. So, and I I think reading about that, I didn't even know about the whole Boris Karloff side of things. (laughs) It's kind of like two movies. Two movies that intersect in a really surprising way in the end. Um, But yeah, it's, and this was a, I think this was like a Roger Corman movie. That Peter, I mean, you know, like so many of the big directors, they got start with Roger Corman. Peter Bogdanovich is like, just let me do my thing. And he's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. As long as it's cheap. Um, and it's such a weird, unique movie. And it's really intense. Why? Uh, what makes it stand out for you? I mean, what I just said. It's intense. It's intense. But like the meta... Um, like the meta context that like Boris Karloff is, was actually an aging horror fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's basically playing himself and um, Peter Bogdanovich is kind of playing himself. He's like a writer in the movie. Who's trying to pitch this really cool movie to, uh, to Boris Karloff and Boris Karloff's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I want to retire. Yeah. Um, and there's like, the ending is kind of, like, there's kind of this, Oh, modern day life is so terrifying that like, movie monsters are silly um which is kind of interesting although it's like even more it's so poignant it's like boring at this point Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but i mean the all the stuff with the killer is so just like chilling 
It's very like there's some scenes that are pretty horrifying to watch because it's like one, it looks I assume the people driving on the highway, there's that scene where he's (laughs) like that. I bet if you're on that highway, you didn't know they were filming a movie and you were probably freaking out because all these people were just like dropping dead on the side of the road. (laughs) So it's like stuff like that. It was like, there is no way they can make this movie now. It'd be very Um, different. uh, But I just find it funny that Boris Karloff's name in the movie is Byron Orlock. (laughs) And it's like, just use (laughs) his real name. Like, it's obviously about him. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's really funny. I I think when they were in the movie saying his name, I was like, are they saying Boris Karloff or not? Byron Orlock. (laughs) Byron Orlock. (laughs) But yeah, everything with the sniper is like... Chorus Borloff. Awful, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like, it's very just matter of fact. He's just like, bye, honey. Like, his wife, yeah, wife goes up to the grocery store. There's nothing even leading like, up to it. He just, just load like, up my gun and go to the, yeah. go buy some ammo. It's very just like he's cold snapped, and calculated. Like, and he's just <laughs> acting like it's a normal day, but he's like yeah. going around shooting people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, drive-in scene is probably the part that stuck out the most Oh, to for me. sure. Yeah. I don't want to ruin it, but that's where both stories collide yeah. in a super dramatic way. Yeah, and it's, I mean, imagine seeing this at a drive-in would be pretty nerve-wracking. A little bit, just a little. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought Targets was really cool. I was glad we finally got a chance to watch it. So who do you think would like it? Um, people... Fans of Byron Orlock. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, people with grudges that are stroking guns. Well, this is kind of like, <laughs> I was going to say, it's kind of like a weird horror movie yeah it's like, like half is like crime thriller, thriller and the yeah. other half is like meta horror movie yeah and then they blend at the end yeah it's a really unique movie um so yeah it's hard to say like a specific but i mean it's in general it's just a really interesting cool movie yeah it's uh, and it's not like i don't think it'd be for it's everybody like or anything but but yeah. people who like horror movies and can handle sniper movies yeah yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and not streaming. Come on, Criterion. Mm. Get what your... about Tubi? Tubi should have all of these. I know, but this is another one that's on Criterion disc. Yeah. Like, get your act together, Criterion. Get these movies up on your, <laughs> your service. Uh, so targets next movie. All right, I'm doing a twofer. <sighs> I'm sorry. Discovered a part again times two <laughs> oh, i'm sorry i'm gonna go through these pretty quickly because i've talked about them before um but it's two movies from the folk horror I box set. nope <laughs> two movies from the folk horror. you made me get rid of all my jollos i didn't make you do anything you uh you heard it here folks you were uh, like i'm gonna get rid of these jollos because nobody likes jollos nobody likes me um uh, two movies from the Folk Horror Severin box set. Uh, it was the last two I finally got around to watching, and they were both very good, and they have very similar kind of feels and similar uh, origin stories, so I thought I'd put them together. So that's Robin Redbreast from 1970 and Penda's Finn from 1974. They're both um, essentially TV movies. They were, I think both of them were for uh, this series called Play for Today, which was like, you know, like single single one-off movies uh, written for TV. For They're about a little over an hour Do long. Do they have a theme song? Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. They're not on this disc if there was. Um, Get your money back. So Robin Redbreast, directed by James McTaggart. Um, after the breakup of a long relationship, urban sophisticate, sophisticate 
uh, Nora seeks refuge in a remote house in the country. The locals are friendly, if eccentric, and she toys with the idea of a flirtation with a dishy, dishy, mm, young gamekeeper, dishy Rob. gamekeeper. But events at the Harvest Festival leave her feeling manipulated, and six months later, with the consequences all too evident, she finds herself trapped in what is more like a nightmare. What role is she destined to play in the cycle of the seasons and of the generations? Um, I didn't recognize anybody in particular in this. Um, it's black and white. It's really sad. It's only black and white because the color tape was destroyed in the BBC archives. Those jerks. But they were always it's doing. archives. They didn't do it very well because, you know, all those Doctor Who episodes that are gone forever. <sighs> but yeah, they all they have it was like the black and white like copy. So, but it looks good in black and white. It kind of works. Um so that's a shame. But what's super interesting about this movie, and I still would really like you to watch it, is um, that this movie is like Wicker Man for women. <laughs> it's like like this, it's from a woman's point of view rather than a man's. A woman. Um, and Wait. Hey, lady! <laughs> <laughs> um, less overt paganism, and I don't think any nudity, <laughs> unlike Wicker Man. But um, it's shockingly really progressive. Like there's a lot of fire with the clothes on. <laughs> there's a lot of talk about abortions that are just like super frank in 1970 England, which I thought was interesting. Backwards. I know. Um, and uh, it's just got really f- scary suspense. Um, and uh, yeah, this one's highly recommended for me. That's Robin Redbreast. The other one is Pendas Thin by Alan Clark from 74. Uh, oh, weird tagline. I'm nothing pure weird uh through a series of real and imagined encounters with angels demons and england's pagan past a pastor's son begins to question his religion and uh religion and politics and comes to terms with his sexuality um i don't think i recognized anybody in this really um but yeah another kind of tv movie um it's kind of a it's not really super traditional narrative wise it's like vaguely experimental but it's super interesting because it's about this kid who's like, he's about to turn 18. He's kind of trying to figure out who he is. But the movie's all about these different contract contrasts. Like there's, uh, his dad is a reverend. So there's like Christianity in the household, but like they live on the side of like an English, like pagan ritual kind of place. Um, the older people are very like stuck in their way. And these, they're these young people who are like always trying to disrupt things and like you know, an anarchy, they're like messing with signs and breaking stuff all over the place. Um, and then there's this very, uh, traditional sense of masculinity versus the fact that like, I think he's, it goes to a boy's school and there's like this inherent homoeroticism and it's, and it becomes pretty clear as the movie goes on that he's realizing that he's gay. Um, and so there's all this really interesting kind of slice of life, but very also kind of surreal. It's a hard movie to describe, but it's really interesting and really well done. But, um, you know, another one that fits in with Robin Redbreast, both like British kind of pagan history stuff going on. Um, so, yeah, as far as where I heard about them, they're in the box set. Uh, I don't have like favorite scenes specifically. I don't want to spend too much time on both of these, but um, I would recommend it to anybody who's got like an interest in, you know, if you've got an interest in folk horror or Wicker Man. Um, Just Wickerman. I mean, that's that's definitely the big uh, one that both of these would kind of owe something to. But um, they're both really interesting. I think you would like both of these, actually. So I would recommend them to people like you. Just me. No yeah. one else. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see if they're streaming. Uh, Robin Redbreast is on Tubi. The other one's not. Uh, it's just available to run Tubi. on Amazon. So that's Robin Redbreast and Pendas Thin. 
Next is a weird one. Weird, weird, weird. The Hourglass Sanatorium, which came out in 1973. A young man named Joseph visits a dilapidated sanatorium to see his father, Jacob. On his arrival, a sinister doctor informs him that his father had stopped breathing but hasn't died yet, perhaps due to Joseph's arrival, which may have halted time in the sanatorium. Joseph undertakes a strange journey through the many rooms of the sanatorium, each which conjures, conjures worlds composed of his memories, dreams, and nightmares. I'm on a strange journey. He really is. <laughs> So this one, I only really heard about, I've seen this poster like a thousand times and then I was always on my watch list, but guess what? It's never streaming. It's never available. You can't rent it anywhere. And then one day the plaza was like, hey, we're going to show Hourglass Sanatorium. And so we went and watched it and that's how we discovered <clears throat> it. Was it like a new restoration this year? Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of Polish movies getting restored because Vinegar Syndrome and... One of those other labels put out a bunch of Polish movies this year. Yeah, I think that's <clears> why. <throat> and so it was like a very rare screening that we got to go to. Yeah, super cool to be able to see this and in see a it on a big screen. Um, but the part that kind of stood out the most for me was just the super elaborate like sets and production yeah. design. Like I feel like that was probably the highlight because story wise. I was confused for a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But it was like, to be. it was super beautiful and the sets and scene transitions were crazy. And then it's just super engaging and you feel really sympathetic towards the main character and his like dream quest that he's on. Um, but yeah, seeing it on a restored cut was probably cool too because you get to see all the details yeah for sure because i think you're, you're right the like set design is definitely probably the biggest highlight there's this uh, what i wrote in a review of it that it's like you take the post-apocalyptic locations in stalker and then you add like the weird dream logic and philosophy of like a buñuel movie and the editing of maya darren who did all these things like they call it creative geography where it's like you walk through one door and instead of a door on the other side, you're coming out of a cave in yeah. the ocean or what? It's very much like that where it's like he starts in a building, but it's somehow there's like all these weird mm -hmm. outdoor areas within inside of it. And yeah, just really odd dream logic and stuff. Um, I can't say I totally understood the movie, but <laughs> definitely <not. laughs> it definitely affected me a lot. Um, and I really liked it a lot. It's super interesting and strange. And I don't know. It's very cool. Um, yeah, I think even my review, it's like, I don't know what was happening, but it was awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it starts off on like this crazy train and like, maybe he's the train conductor. Maybe he's not like, maybe he sees that, himself yeah. at some point And like, maybe he's a young boy. I don't know. <laughs> There's so much going on. This is and the posters are crazy. <laughs> Polish people. Probably the weirdest movie on our whole list, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one's definitely not for everybody. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't remember. It's not. It's like two hours, but yeah, this is definitely for people who like art, art house movies. Yeah, it's definitely more on the very, pretty far on the like experimental abstract side of the spectrum. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Was there like a favorite scene or anything, or was it mostly just the transition yeah i don't know if i remember a specific favorite scene it was like almost a year ago there was so much it, like huge sets like i know there's like a whole scene in like a village there's something there's like a giant tree or a boat or something 
there might be. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's there's been like a while. these weird wax people who come to life. Oh, there's aren't there tightrope walkers that walk across? Oh no, wait, no, that's Obio Bai. Yeah, another yeah. very weird Polish <laughs> one. Um, yeah, but there's a lot going on in this movie, so it's a uh, it's no. There's a big eyeball on the poster because it's cool to watch. It's made for your eyes, just like yeah. the poster says. That's right. Don't blink for the two hours. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, so, yeah, if you like artsy fartsy movies. Hey, you watch your language, young lady. Oh, my God. Uh, and guess what? Not streaming anywhere. So go uh, discover it somewhere. Maybe it's a VHS copy. You can find it at Goodwill. I'm just going to say, if, if they're not streaming somewhere, maybe check YouTube. Yeah. It could it could happen. There are ways. <laughs> or go to your local video your rental video store. <laughs> All right. So the next movie. Oh snap. <laughs> Truck Turner, Truck which Turner. came out in 1974, directed by Jonathan Kaplan. Black, bold, and bloody mean. Oh snap. <laughs> he's not that mean. Because he's a good guy. He's a truck. <laughs> truck Turner and his partner, Jerry, who make their living as bounty hunters in Los Angeles, are hired to hunt down Gator, a pimp who has skipped bail. Starring Isaac Hayes, Yafit Koto, Ellen Weeks, and is that Chase and Nicole Nichols. I just found, uh, I was looking at this guy's other movies, which are not at all... He's a white goober looking dude. Uh, there's a couple on here that look pretty interesting. One in particular for you that sounds right up your alley. Unlawful Entry, which is an, sounds like an erotic thriller <laughs> from 92 with Kurt Russell, Ray Liotta, and Madeline Stowe. I don't like Ray Liotta that much, but mm, Kurt Russell. How dare you say that? <laughs> Anyways. Um, who boy, Truck Turner. How'd you so... find out about this one? I found out about this one because the Plaza was doing <clears throat> mystery screenings. And I was this episode is sponsored by the Plaza and yes. Videodrome and Criterion. <laughs> Basically. Um, and we weren't able to go where we were like, well, we don't know what the movie's going to be. What if we see it? And so we stayed home. And then I looked it up later because everyone was saying how awesome and amazing and fun it was which i can imagine watching this in a theater oh, with people would have been crazy it probably was insane because this is basically like shaft but on steroids i don't know i've never seen shaft yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> how do you know it's just it's shaft but it's a western it's a black exploitation western and i love it um and so what stood out or yeah what stood out about it is that everything there's cats <laughs> I love the cats. It's very important to the plot. <laughs> but really, I just love how over the top it is. Oh, it's the movie. It's almost like a John Woo movie or something. Yeah. Not just because it has a shootout in a hospital at the end. Well, someone else gets like shot in like cartwheels back like 200 feet. Oh, like clearly they <laughs> the use a real like, gun, explodes. but the body yeah. is like made of paper. <laughs> <laughs> and the body like flies like 10 feet. But if that doesn't get you, how about the pimp funeral? Which is so okay, ridiculous. You want to describe it? It is amazing. <laughs> so it's That's a bunch of scene. like pimps dressed to the nines, like seventies <laughs> outfits, and they uh, one by one sprinkle a little cocaine on the <laughs> on the body, <laughs> open <laughs> casket. <laughs> you could have taken that scene, like shot for shot, and put it in a Chappelle show sketch, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have known. <laughs> Except for Yafit Koto, who spits on him, yeah, and that just sets off this whole crazy thing. 
And then later, Scatman Crothers is like, they don't make pimps like they used to. They sure don't, because he's like an old school pimp. And then guess what? Nichelle Nichols of Star Trek Ooh, slaps boy. a bitch. <laughs> she, she has so many insane lines that I could never utter on this podcast. But you're like, wow, Nichelle Nichols, she's so cool on Star Trek. Yeah. She is like she's nasty. Bad. She's a bad bitch. <laughs> so this movie is just... It's over the top, and it's almost like a Quentin Tarantino film because uh, he probably stole from this movie I'm a bunch. Sure he, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I do think this is probably uh, on the higher end of black exploitation. Like it's, mm-hmm. it was really good, and it has a really good review. But I'd be willing to bet if we watched a bunch of good black exploitations, there are lots of them that are this crazy and awesome. Probably, <laughs> it's just such a blind spot for both of us. It makes me this. We just watched it super recently, and this really makes me want to next year. Uh, that might be one of my resolutions to like yeah. watch more black exploitation. I just really love like going into it. I was like the whole Western aspect. It's like, it's just a modern Western film. And then once I knew that I was like, Oh my God, it's like to the T like it's following the, the formula, the but it's like, hunter. it's like in LA and it's like modern. So I just love it. Yeah. I love that they crossed over so much. And then my favorite part, which I don't want to spoil too much is the ending. There's like, well, you already mentioned the shootout. No, the hospital shootout is crazy, especially this little boy who gets taken hostage. Oh, yeah, I who looks about that. scared. He's like, what? So scared. Uh, but no, Yafit Koto and um, Truck Turner's, or what's his name? Blue. Yeah. Blue and Truck Turner's whole like end scene is crazy. We also, didn't the way they filmed it is insane. It is awesome. And there, there's a death scene that's super yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, the we also didn't mention the score, which is awesome, and it's done by Isaac Hayes. Yeah, Can you imagine <laughs> Isaac Hayes is composing music for a movie starring himself, and at least once or twice the music has lyrics about himself. Yeah, it's like truck turner. I wonder if that was like his in his contract with some KFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it is so weird. Because he did, he I sang mean, did in for, other movies. Well, yeah, I mean, he composed the Shaft score too. And whatever Three Tough Guys is. I mean, he's at least as famous as a musician as he is as an actor, if not more. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Just crazy. Can you imagine if, like, I can't even come up with a comparison? What if Tom Cruise composed the soundtrack to the Mission Impossible movies? <laughs> and like, he's like, is never. he going to make it? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on Jumping to your off butts. A, off a <laughs> rocket ship or something. Now he's going to space. Yeah. Look at him run with his one oh, middle yeah. tooth. But there are also cats, like I mentioned before. The cat question is high on this movie. And he is the biggest hamburger head. So cute. It's a very cute cat. <laughs> uh, who's this movie for? A, oh. a pimp who's longing for the old days. <laughs> Basically, yeah. uh, this is for people who like westerns, black exploitation. Uh, if you love Isaac Hayes, Yafet Koto, and Nichelle Nichols, <laughs> yeah, the cast is just insane. I mean, yeah, and the action's pretty good. It's not; it's a little low budget, but there's like car scenes and shootouts and stuff like lots of fighting. Well, they do a lot with a small budget. Mad Truck Turner. <laughs> oh man, it's so awesome. Love Truck Turner. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, it's streaming on Pluto for free. Yeah. We watched it on Pluto and it seems like there were supposed to be more ads and there weren't. Yeah. So it worked out <laughs> so in it's our not favor. Bad. Yeah. There's some spots where it like fades to black where you're like, oh, I guess we're going to commercial and it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, okay, sweet. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, Truck Turner is awesome. It and is I'm glad awesome. you liked it. I loved it. So there's a win. We won, folks. <laughs> so the next movie, Picnic at Hanging Rock, which came out in 1975, directed by Peter Weird. Uh-oh. It's More Peter like Weir. Peter Weird. Weird, weird, weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's very funny to see, like, his top three movies are Truman Show, Dead Poet Society, and Master and Commander. Because I mostly think of the two We've ones. We've seen The Last Wave and Picnic at Hanging That are both Rock. just, like, bizarre. <laughs> The last wave was crazy. Yeah. Did not make my list this year. <laughs> no, this was better. Um, so picnic at Hanging Rock. On St. Valentine's Day in 1900, a party of schoolgirls set out to picnic at Hanging Rock. Some were never to return. Weird, weird, <laughs> weird. Uh, Miranda attends a girls' bro- boarding school in Australia in the 1900s. One Valentine's Day, the school's typical strict headmistress treats the girls to a picnic field trip to an unusual but scenic volcanic formation called Hanging Rock. Despite rules against it, Miranda and several other girls venture off. It's not until the end of the day that the faculty realizes the girls and one of the teachers have disappeared mysteriously. Starring Rachel Roberts, Vivian Gray, Helen Morse, Kirsty Child. I thought there was at least one person we knew. Yeah, one of the guys was in, um, I mean, it was like super weird. I think he was in, um, oh man. Oh, Jackie Next. Weaver. We know her. Oh yeah, we know Jackie Weaver for sure. She's in Hot Fuzz and stuff, right? No, she's in oh, Widows and Stoker. Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, but yeah, there are some familiar faces. I just can't. There remember. was somebody from Next of Kin, like one of the guys, I think, the guy that gets kind mm-hmm. of accused. Um, yeah, boy. How did we hear about this one? We watched this on my birthday last year. And well, I yeah, remember. I was going to ask you. I think you've heard about it, but I, I don't d- remember why. Yeah, I don't remember exactly where. I feel like it's just one of those movies that you always hear about is really weird and interesting. It's got a cool poster, too. Yeah, you might have <laughs> mentioned it, and then I think I looked it up or I'd heard about it, too. So we're like, let's watch it. Yeah. It seems odd. A little mystical. Very. Mystical very movie. Very, like, <laughs> another, like, kind of. vaguely pagan like Mm -hmm. strange magical realism stuff going on um this movie's just like as strange as it gets in terms of like the story is very simple it's just like these girls go and they disappear and then Mm -hmm. everybody freaks out and they're trying to find them but it's like there's like all this weird stuff where they're like oh if we pass a certain point in the rocks like people don't come back yeah um and it's not like the rocks go anywhere no like in the middle of nowhere (laughs) no and there's like no special effects or anything to it it's just very like people just don't come back uh and there's just like super droney sound design the girls say all these weird poetic things mm-hmm. that you're like what the hell's going on <laughs> um and there's just all these mysterious bits like um all the girls took their shoes off before they like passed this threshold and nobody could ever figure out why um and there's one girl who like was left behind and she doesn't really know why and and oh well, part of she was lazy and she's like oh I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, one of the things that makes this movie particularly effective is the fact that I don't, I mean, I almost don't want to spoil it, but like the fact that it claims to be based on a true story. It's not. I really thought it was. I and I was like, what? And then I looked it up. It's like, are you kidding it me? It feels very, <laughs> I mean, I think that's partly why it's so effective because it feels very much like. A, a film almost like Zodiac or something where it's like this thing that nobody's ever been able to solve or understand yeah. that happened. And then this is the movie about it. Like <laughs> it feels very much like that in a real way, which yeah. makes it really effective. 
For me, the thing that stood out the most was like, I can only describe this film as having atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Totally. Because <laughs> it's all just haunting and ghostly. And it's like, oh, these girls, girls school in the 1900s. <laughs> yep. And they're like, all oh, wear white and stuff. So everything is just very haunting and there's a, a atmosphere. There's an atmosphere. Like one of the girls suddenly reappears, but she doesn't know what happened mm -hmm. either. And yeah, it's really, it's just unsettling and strange and... And they, the real. yeah, it just relies on the storytelling and the visuals because there's like, there's not like some haunting ghost thing. There's no like creepy uh, black rock or something. It's yeah. just like, no, nope, it just it, looks like a normal rock. And don't go into this <laughs> expecting to like find out the answer. Like, oh, it was a kidnapper or, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's or an alien. Like, no, there's no like definitive answer at all. Mm -hmm. It's very ambiguous. So Peter Weir, you weirdo. Little Peter, Peter Weird. Weirdos. <laughs> Peter Weird. Uh, who do you think would like this? People who love the Truman Show, clearly. <laughs> Peter Weir fans. I don't know about big, that. Big Peter Weir fans. I think people who like um, more the gothic type story. I don't know about would gothic, you call it gothic? But, I mean, just period. I don't know if it's real gothic, but... It's got um, a little goth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely if you're a fan of like that... I'm trying to think of like a comparable movie. Is There's not many. I mean, there's... Well, it's kind of letterbox says it's kind of similars. <laughs> it's definitely like in a folk horror kind of vein. So there's that. That's um, weird. Hold up. This movie's been remade. Yeah. Like five years ago with Natalie Dormer. Yeah, I saw that too. And that then weird? Samara Weaving. Very strange. That's bizarre. Bunch of Australians, I guess. So we haven't seen this new one. We watched the old one. We're originals. That's right. Um. It said the Virgin Suicides, Mulholland Drive, see that. Heavenly Creatures. Yeah, those are really good comparisons, actually. Yeah, if you like I those. haven't heard of The Falling or Innocence. Those are both newer movies, mm. which it also compares it to. Okay. But yeah, Virgin Suicides definitely has a similar kind of dreamy vibe. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what was the other one you said that was Australian? Mulholland Drive yeah. and Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures, yeah. I, Heavenly Creatures especially feels like a very good comparison. Um, yeah, super interesting movie. Really cool vibes. Um, it is streaming on Criterion Channel. For now. Um, HBO, and it's rentable in a few places. Cool. Picnic at Hanging Rock. Next up, The China Syndrome from the 1979. Syndrome. Directed by James Bridges. Sometimes it's too late to tell the truth. While, do <laughs> <Okay. laughs> While doing a series of reports on alternative energy sources, opportunistic reporter Kimberly More Wells... More like hippie energy sources. Yeah. Uh, reporter Kimberly Wells witnesses an accident at a nuclear power plant. Wells is determined to publicize the incident, but soon finds herself entangled in a sinister conspiracy to keep the full impact of the incident a secret. Starring... Uh, Jane Fonda, man. Jack Lemmon, and, and Michael Douglas was there. <laughs> yeah, also Michael Douglas. And guess who else? Wilfred. Man. Brimley. And James. Man. Karen. <laughs> Completely forgot James Karen was in it. It's awesome. James who? Uh, isn't that a? Uh, yeah, that's our oh. boy. It's a good um. good question, Bert. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, we watched, this is the other one we watched for the Summer Meltdown. Summer Meltdown. <laughs> uh, do you remember? Oh, I know how we found this movie. It was Harper me. bought it. Me. He was like, I'm going to buy movies. Yeah, it was one of my many. going to watch them. <laughs> one of my many indicator sale purchases where I was just like, that sounds interesting. It's got good reviews. Let's buy it. And it was totally it a horrible off. movie title name because nobody wants to watch The China Syndrome yeah. without someone who has a background in like working on a nuclear power plant. Once you know <laughs> what it is, it's very cool. But yeah, until you know that, you're like, what the hell does that mean? Um, but uh, yeah, the movie is super cool. Um, I mean, we liked it a lot. We included it in our episode. What, um, so I heard about it from you. Okay. <laughs> what, when we watched it. What makes this one stand out? Uh, because it's it's kind of like political conspiracy thriller. Definitely. So it's very unique. And I think the cast is super strong. Mm-hmm. It's a very small cast, but they're great and they work off one another really well. Yeah. And I think the story is just, it's another one of those slow build slash super tense uh tense moment movies yeah i remember that this movie has no score which helps make it feel extra tense Mm -hmm. um and it felt like it was a big influence on the chernobyl show not just because it's another nuclear thing but like the tone of it too feels felt a lot like that yeah but it's got all the tenets of a great 70s paranoid thriller cover-ups and car chases and you know conspiracies it was great Mm-hmm. Um, what's do you remember our favorite scene? Yes, I can feel it. The that vibration. Scene, I can feel it. <laughs> There's a somebody might be in trouble, and he's lying on the floor for some reason. <laughs> and <laughs> the thing that he's been worried about the entire movie, and nobody believes him, happens, and he's like in his dying breath. <laughs> It's like, I can feel it. And then they're all like, oh my God. It is pretty intense because you think for a second that that like all of California is about to die. Yeah, it could <laughs> could happen. Um, but that's probably my favorite part. But everything, everything with Jack Lemon and Wilfred Brimley yeah. and even Jane Fonda. Let's give her a and round of applause. Jane Fonda no, she's pretty good in this. And Michael Douglas is super hairy. Oh man, he so has hairy. so much hair. He, it's funny. His character is kind of like not the main character by any stretch. He's kind of like a supporting character, but he was apparently real involved with getting this movie made too, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, I think the other thing I like about this movie is that it starts off like with a like typical news reporter segment and they think they've caught something crazy and it is crazy but then it's like the guy who works there is no like no actually the thing you should be worried about is this weird vibration i felt that's the crazy yeah part. <laughs> like what they caught on film was just like a minor issue that yeah it could pointed, have ended badly but, but it pointed out yeah. a much bigger issue that no one believed him about so there's so many layers to this movie. Yeah. It's crazy. It's really, really good. It's one I was really surprised that I hadn't heard about. Yeah. I was, it's, I mean, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched would... this on our beach vacation. That's got people we are. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, we would just watch this in some hotel. We had to, we had to go out and buy a universal remote because we forgot the remote <laughs> to our, for, our 4K player <laughs> that we brought. Hey, it was a vacation uh. to relax. 
And Relax. that means watching lots of movies. <laughs> Relax by watching Nuclear Meltdowns. We mm-hmm. did. Um, but yeah, anyone who is a fan of Jack Lemon, Power Plants, and <laughs> Jack Lemon and Power Plants <laughs> would love this film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're into like Manchurian Candidate, um, um, what's the one about the guy trying to assassinate the president? I mean, also that's Manchurian Candidate, but um, you know, it starts out on the on the Space Needle. You watched it. Oh, yeah. We Parallax View? Yeah, Parallax View. If you're a fan of those kind of movies, uh, then this China Syndrome is definitely up your alley for sure. Also, Failsafe is similar. But yeah, Chernobyl, the miniseries, is a lot like yeah. this. Yeah, if you like Chernobyl, then this is a cool like movie, s- similar story. Not bad, not great. <laughs> <laughs> 80 Bronkins. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the China Syndrome. Um, it is not streaming anywhere currently, so you can either buy it on Indicator... <laughs> Or rent it on Amazon. <laughs> um, cool. Next movie, the ninth configuration, which came out in 1980. We are in the 80s now. We made it to the 80s. Directed by William Peter Blatty. Blatty, the Exorcist. Exorcist. How do you fight a war called madness? How do you do that, William Peter Blatty? Hope you don't. <laughs> Uh, Colonel Vincent Kane is a military psychiatrist who takes charge of an army mental hospital situated in a secluded castle, because that's where they all are, in secluded castles. <laughs> Among Kane's many eccentric patients is Captain Billy Cutshaw. Ugh, sorry. Ugh. <laughs> uh, he's a troubled astronaut in the midst of an existential crisis. Although Kane's own grasp on sanity is questionable, he manages to engage Cutshaw in a series of thoughtful conversations about science and faith that deeply affect the lives of both men. Starring Stacy Keach, Scott Wilson, Jason Miller, Ed Flanders, Neville Brand, uh, Robert, Robert Loggia, Joe Spinell, Tom Atkins. <laughs> William Peter Blatty. <laughs> There's a lot of familiar faces. There are, yeah. It's a pretty um, pretty stacked uh, early, well, late 70s, early 80s cast mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I think this was one of my random picks. Yeah, and it's and funny. I honestly don't remember why. It's funny that you <laughs> picked it because it's one that's been on my watch list for a long time because I'd heard about it on horror podcasts as like, or maybe it wasn't a horror podcast. It was one of my movie podcasts I listened to and talked about it being like a super interesting underseen movie. And the poster is amazing. Yeah. Poster is about as intriguing as it gets. Yes. You have an <laughs> astronaut looking at Jesus like on, on the, the moon. moon. <laughs> yeah. Which hardly has anything to do with the movie. Yeah. Besides the fact that one of the characters <laughs> is an ex-astronaut. Um, But this movie is pretty amazing and I'm really glad we watched it. Yeah. Um, I can't compare it to the movie that uh, yeah. re- reminds me of the most without giving away spoilers. This one's very hard to talk about without spoiling. Because there is a great twist yeah. that I didn't see coming. So I'm not going to spoil it for anybody else. And I think what's cool about the twist is that it comes. it doesn't come at the end of the movie. It's like halfway through. And then yeah. you're like, okay, well, now what? Mm-hmm. In a really interesting way. Um but yeah, I mean, the movie is, it's really surprisingly funny and poignant and uh, sometimes really devastating and hard to watch. And I don't know, it's a really interesting exploration on like a very specific brand of American violence and madness. Yeah. 
Um, it's just super, it's hard to talk again. It's hard to talk about without giving away because the twist is so central to what makes the movie interesting. And it feels almost like a war movie oh, without, definitely. it's all, it's a PTSD movie mm-hmm. more, I guess. It's Vietnam about Vietnam war. Yeah. Trauma. Would A24 put out this movie now? Trauma. Yes, they would. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really dark and I feel like it covers a few different genres because you also get like some crazy action scenes too. Um, Stacey Keach is badass. Yeah. He's a badass. I love Stacey Keach. <laughs> I wish I, I wish. I like, haven't seen him in that many things. Yeah, I haven't either. Only in a couple of movies, but um, I really like him in everything I've seen him in. The only thing I don't believe is that they're in the U.S. in this giant castle. <laughs> uh, it's obviously like filmed in Germany. <laughs> I don't think it was. Didn't we look that up when we were watching no, it? No, it's, it's like, filmed in Germany. Are you sure? Pretty sure. You look. We that don't up. have castles. I swear, I remember reading in the trivia that it was like some weird castle that some guy had had built in like California. Or... I really doubt it. Okay. I really, really doubt it. You tell me. Um, is there a scene that sticks out for you? Um, you know, I wish I remembered it more specifically, but I remember there's, I think it's when, uh, what's the character's name? Cutshaw, Scott Wilson. There's like a a scene with him doing Shakespeare that I remember really, really liking. Mm -hmm. And like the way, I'm trying to remember what it was, but but like he does the scene and then Stacey Keach kind of breaks it down as a psychiatrist and it's really interesting. Yeah. I wish I could remember the specifics, but I remember really, really liking that scene. Um. It's filmed in Germany, Austria, and Hungary. Well, you're right. (laughs) The castle is in Germany. Sorry. Maybe in the movie, that's the excuse they make. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. Uh, The bar scene definitely sticks out for me. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, And I'm trying to think. I feel like there was something with dogs, like so many dogs, (laughs) lots of dogs running around. (laughs) Yeah, I think I remember that too. But yeah, I like it a lot. Also, I love the beginning because... uh, the beginning's very hectic. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, can you guess which one's the doctor? And like, there's guys like running around in their underwear and stuff. Well, and like, and... he spends time talking to the doctor, and then it turns out that guy's just one of the patients yeah. who pretends <laughs> to be the doctor. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. It starts off chaotically. Um, yeah. And this is one of those, we've got a few on here that like the rating on Letterboxd really belies how good the movie is. Because um, this one has like a 3.5, and I think it's much better than that. Yeah, I think it's a great movie, but yeah, it's averaging like three and a half, which is weird to me. Yeah, I gave it four and a half. I did as well. Also, good luck. Uh, good news, not good luck. It's streaming on Tubi and Canopy and Pluto. It's all over the Yay. place. <laughs> so watch it. The mm-hmm. ninth config gear ray shun. Uh, what's our next one? Next movie is The Awakening. Ah. which came out in 1980 as well, directed by Mike Newell. They thought they had buried her forever. forever. When a British archaeologist violates an Egyptian queen's tomb, her evil spirit enters his daughter. So we talked about this pretty recently. <laughs> you didn't like my mummy voice? Get out, get out of there. <laughs> um, on one of our was horror... Hoop- this was the Hooptober movie. Yeah. Is this the only Hooptober movie that made it onto the Discoveries? There are a bunch in the honorable mentions, I think, or at least one or two. Uh, yeah, I think it is. 
So um, I didn't really hear about this. I just saw the cover and we were forced to look at a lot of movies for Hooptober. So yeah. I was like, this seems like it'll be cool. This I think this qualified as an ad- adaptation of a Bram Stoker work. Yeah. And we were like, okay, we don't just want to watch another Dracula movie. Let's watch something different. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I didn't, I'd never even heard about it, didn't know anything about it. Um, but we love Charlton Heston this year and also Susanna York and mm-hmm. some people that we like. Um, this was kind of great. Yeah, and it's odd because it has such a lower rating on Letterboxd. It's 2.6. And I think it's because it's, like we mentioned before, it's basically an Omen ripoff. Yeah, which I didn't so really think about when we were like. watching it. <laughs> but I, that works totally fine for me. Yeah. Like, if it, it, it just takes some of the beats of the Omen and applies them to, like, a totally different story with mummy with a, a mummy. And, I mean, what's super interesting about this one is that it's... Um, filmed all or not all but uh, filmed a lot in actual egypt and in their like museums and stuff so it has the production value is really good um like it feels much more authentic than most mummy movies that are out there Um, and i think a lot of people expect it to be like a scary mummy movie and it's not really that because it's more of just like a possession movie possession and and like an apocalyptic and it takes over such a long amount of time within the movie that it's more of a slow burn so you're not going to get like jump out scares or anything no but it's really cool i really enjoyed this and i wouldn't mind owning this movie honestly i thought it was really fun and it's uh outside of like the brandon fraser mummy movies which are just a lot of fun. This is easily the best like scary mummy movie I've ever seen. Like it was a hell of a lot better than the hammer mummy movie we watched. Uh, did you have a favorite part that stuck out? Um, I mean that first like major death when the guy like falls off the crane on top of the cliff. Yeah. It's pretty intense. That was intense. Even though it's very much like <laughs> something that happens in the omen. Yeah. It's still really cool. Um, I remember thinking how awful he is to his wife. I was like, she better leave him. Yeah. And she does. <laughs> and that sets off an 18-year mystery. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, who would like this movie? Well, if you're into movies, I was trying to think of like a, another comparison, but like movies about like um, prophecies for the end of the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you're just into like Egyptology kind of stuff too, obviously this would be a fun one for you. Yeah. Or if you're just a big Charlton Heston fan like we are. <laughs> Which My is so God, weird. The mummy is coming back Because he's us. so conservative. Oh, yeah. He's just terrible. Like, not dude. a great person. But he's so bonkers in all his roles. <laughs> I I want to see a movie. Uh, this is another, the other thing I would do if I go back in time. First would be planting people in ape costumes outside of Planet of mm-hmm. the Apes. Second would be assembling Charlton Heston... <laughs> Um, Betty Davis and Oliver Reed to all, oh my and may, maybe Sterling Hayden too, <laughs> all to be in a movie together. One movie together, and it would be just like no, nobody could contain it. It would no. be just total insanity. It would be. That sounds crazy. Yeah, that's my plan. That's what number two on the list. If okay. I get a time, <laughs> keep that in mind. Um. So yeah, if you like mummy movies, don't watch this one because there's no mummy. <laughs> well, yeah, there's it's, there's more about it's more about like a spirit, evil spirit. Yeah. The mummy it comes spirits, from the mummy. Sure. The mummy doesn't like get up and walk around. Also, there's going to be an eclipse in April next mm. year, and that's when you should watch this because it Dude, takes place during an eclipse. Man, <laughs> we should do an episode on great eclipse movies because there's like House of the Devil. We um, are. 
Okay. That was our idea for That's, Eclipse Month. So <laughs> strike that. Get or excited. Or sci-fi something. Yeah, eclipses. I don't remember, but yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's uh, a really cool one. Highly underrated in our opinions. Uh, you have to the, rent it. It's not streaming. Yeah, The Awakening from 1980. Not available to stream, sadly, but you can rent it. Mm-hmm. What is next? Our next movie is Hollywood Shuffle, which came out in 1987, directed by Robert Townsend. Bobby Taylor was on his way to becoming a star when a funny thing happened. Uh, okay, you have my interest. <laughs> Aspiring actor and hot dog stand employee Bobby Taylor catches the eye of his grandmother for auditioning for a role in the regrettably titled exploitation film Jive Time Jimmy's Revenge. <laughs> when Tinseltown Studios cast Taylor in the title role, he has a series of conflicted dreams satirizing, satirizing? Satirizing. Satirizing. I did it. Uh, wait. My mistake. <laughs> um, African American stereotypes in Hollywood and must reconcile his career goals with his desire to remain a positive role model for his little brother. Starring Robert Townsend. Craigus R. Johnson, Helen Mirren, <laughs> just kidding, no. Martin. Uh, there was somebody else. Keenan uh, Wayans. Yeah, Keenan Wayans. Was it John Witherspoon? Yeah, I think. Yeah, he's, he's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, uh, Damon Wayans. Is Starletta Dupois? She in other stuff? She's in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Hmm. As Sergeant Hunter. Weird. I don't know who that is. She's the one who takes a statement at the police station. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, so I uh, we heard about this movie because Criterion put it out. Yep. And we were like, huh, never heard of that. And then we watched the trailer and was like, this looks pretty funny. <laughs> and then we were like, I guess we should get it or rent it. And then we went and rented it. And then we put it in and we we're like, hey, this is funny. <laughs> and then we watched Boy, it. It's a good story you're telling here. <laughs> and we we're like, hey, that's a Wayne brother. <laughs> Uh, but no, seriously, it's, we watched it because Criterion put it out. Yeah. <laughs> the end. That's the end of my story. <laughs> uh, I mean, it stands out, I think, because it is just very clever. I mean, um, when we talk about who would like this, I'm going to mention a, a similar movie. Um, but uh, it's just really clever and laugh out loud funny in a lot of time, places. And yeah. it's a very good biting satire. It's also like... Uh, yeah, I love that it makes fun of like Roger, Roger and Ebert. Yeah, oh, a that's lot. A really funny part. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just all these like it's just a bunch of funny skits. So, mm -hmm. but it's strung together really well, and it's crazy because it took them a really long time to film this. Yeah, like several years or something. So, and it's like it, yeah, it still works. It's kind of an anthology sort of movie because it is like. Um, there's like obviously a central story, but like it keeps like lapsing into these like daydreams or fantasies or thoughts that he has that turn into like these really goofy skits that are that those are that are really really funny yeah there's a great part where they're like we want an eddie murphy type character and like everybody in the casting <laughs> hall is like dressed just like they're all dressed talking, like him just from like his him. special yeah and then i think even the casting person's like can you do it more like eddie murphy or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and it was funny we watched this and then not that long after it i read that that book about um, the best movies in 1999. And there was a whole chapter about the wood and um, uh, what was the one called? The uh, best man's man. wedding. Best man, the best man, the best man. <laughs> um, and about how the actors in those movies were all just like, man, I'm so tired of having to 
just carry, they used to carry like a skull cap to mm-hmm. auditions because he'd be like, can you do it more urban? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's what this movie is really making fun of. Um, I had a really, I, I was laughing earlier because I saw in my review, I wrote my favorite quote from the movie, which is probably my favorite scene. Yeah. Uh, it's when they're doing like a film noir part, like they're watching an old movie on TV and he starts daydreaming. <laughs> And the film noir thing, his narration, he says, as she walked towards me, I saw that twinkle in her eyes. I knew it was time to do the nasty. Oh my God. And I like doing the nasty. <laughs> she was a good kisser, but her breath was stinky. Oh but so what? <laughs> but so what? That's <laughs> <laughs> her laughing so hard at that. Doing the nasty. Yeah, I like each segment makes fun of like either like film bo- bros or uh, like different genres of film. So it's really... Making fun of film itself, too. It's really, really <laughs> clever. I was kind of surprised I had not heard much about this before the Criterion release. Yeah. It's definitely worth watching. Who would like this? Well, my suggestion was going to be, if you watched American Fiction this year and found it to be, all right, <laughs> I would try Hollywood Shuffle because it's a much better version of that idea. <laughs> it's also like a bunch of Dave Chappelle skits, although we're not allowed to mention him anymore. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's super clever and very funny. Um, It is streaming on Tubi currently. Thank you, Criterion. Tubi, Tubi. We need a Tubi button. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Tubi. But yeah, for real, check it out. This movie's really good. Um, Next one, uh, uh, (laughs) uh-oh. What was it? Uh, uh, (laughs) uh-oh. Ding, 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 ding. Michelle's at the freak out. Michelle's favorite movie of the year. Drowning by Numbers, which came out in the year of my birth, 1988, directed by my father, Peter Greenaway. (laughs) Just kidding. Peter Greenaway. Three related women, all named Sissy? Yeah. Sissy Culpitz share a solidarity for one another, which brings about three copycat drownings. The local coroner is in love with all three women and helps disguise the murders. Starring Joan Plowright. Juliet Stevenson, Jolie Richardson, and Bernard Hill. He had a good year for that guy. And also David Morrissey was there for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I heard about this movie from you. Yeah, you're very welcome (laughs) for your favorite movie because this was one that I was like, hey, I'm gonna buy this uh, Severn box set, but I can bundle it with I this. Was, wah, 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 I can bundle movies. it with this 4K of this movie, Drowning by Numbers. <laughs> it sounds really cool, right? And you're like, uh huh, whatever. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> and actually, I think this. I can't remember if I bought this before or after we watched. Um, we watched uh, 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 Cook Thief, Wife and His Lover. This is after. Okay. So yeah, I mean, same director, and I, I was 100% right about that movie. You loved it. I liked it. You loved it. I wasn't obsessed with it, you but I am it. about this movie. You should have picked this one. Well, I'd never seen this one, and I'm now I'm glad I did, because I really liked it, too. Yeah, this was probably my favorite discovery for the year, and I just loved it. I love it so much. Um, well, tell us about why does it stand out for you? Style, intrigue, quirkiness, <laughs> numbers. If you love to count, this movie's for you. <laughs> Did you write this down? No. <laughs> You're so weird. You thought maybe spit my water out. Um, also, to- so many ladies. There's three leading ladies. Man, I love Jolie Richardson. I wish I, I was trying to think if she'd the thing Wasn't we she in the, the, the darkness was it Event Horizon. Yeah, she's in Event Horizon. Okay. I, I keep forgetting she's in Dragon Tattoo, although it's a fairly small yeah. role. 
and she's in Color Out of Space too in a bigger role. But yeah, man, I wish she was in like everything. She's great. Also, it's it's Wes Anderson before Wes Anderson. I mean, yeah, that's one way to describe <laughs> Peter Greenaway. It's Wes Anderson if he liked to... to... F-U-C-K. Yeah. <laughs> you don't got to say it like that. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> um, know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, oh my God. It just feels so original. Yes. And, like, it's such a unique little story. And it's like these women are just, like, contemplating all their life choices. And they're kind of saddled with these men that they may or may not like. And, mm-hmm. like maybe it would be okay if they died (laughs) and like what would their life be like without the men in their lives true because like there's like the older women who like i've said like about a hundred times now um the older women who have been married for longer and they're they were like maybe we didn't have a choice when we got married because we were so young and then there's the younger woman who's about to get married and she they're kind of trying to warn her like don't do it yeah she's like <laughs> oh if they can do it maybe i can get away with it too. yeah um and then bernard hill is there <laughs> And he has a weird little backstory, too, because he has this weird little kid. Yeah, who's, like, obsessed with numbers. <laughs> Is it, like, and... his nephew? I don't remember I can't how remember. they related. yeah. Um, who's obsessed with numbers and, like, cataloging things and finding bugs in the woods. Uh-huh. It's so quirky. It's very strange in and a really like, fun kind of way. It's just its own little world. I love it. Yeah. And there are numbers. <laughs> yeah, there are numbers that like throughout the movie you see numbers and they're always going up, like starting at one and the numbers yeah. gradually go up to whatever by the end. It's pretty cool. It's a really interesting kind of visual way to, uh, you know, add something fun to it. And the music is great because they've listened to it a thousand times mm-hmm. after this. Yeah, who did the score? I mean, it's the same person that did the Cook, Thief, Wife, and Lover score, right? Um, mm-hmm. Michael Nyman. Neiman. I don't know how you say it. Um, but yeah, yeah, this, I really like this too. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if I like this or cook the thief better. I like this one better. I, you've made that clear. <laughs> um, but I, either way, I really want to watch more of his movies cause it's just got such a unique, like super, um, lush sense. Like all the movie, both the movies we've seen are just like jam packed with like interesting visual. Also, it's so colorful. Yeah. Very. Like, Cook the Thief used color in a unique way, but this one is, like, the entire world is super colorful, and it works with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I love this one, too, for sure. And Murder. Nope. I think everybody would love this movie. I was movie. like, yeah, I hope Michelle likes this movie to spend a bunch of money on it, and then when you do like it, I'm like, I should buy more movies. No! <laughs> so let me enjoy this one again. <laughs> Um, so this is definitely for people who love counting. <laughs> oh um, what, this is what's probably another a, movie you'd compare? It's it one to? of our best feminist picks. Yeah, feminist, uh, um, an air of mystery and crime. So if you love crime, I mean, it's definitely got similar vibe and to uh, the Cook the Thief. If you've seen that before, it's probably his yeah. most popular movie. Visually similar to Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, a little bit. For sure. Um, but he wishes he made this one. Got that right. <laughs> Step aside, that Wes Anderson. <laughs> but it, it really is hard to compare. Sorry. Ugh. You're not allowed to yawn know, and drown by numbers. <laughs> it really is hard to compare Greenaway to anybody else. Like his sense of like 
cinematography and music and style and odd odd storytelling narrative structure mm-hmm. i don't really know that there's another filmmaker that's that's like that yeah because like i was gonna say ken russell but like he's too out mm, there yeah they're too different yeah. <laughs> um but johnny by numbers is my favorite movie of this entire year wow i should buy more stuff from severin <laughs> that's what i'm taking from this so everyone should watch it wash it <laughs> watch it and then watch it and then good good news it's on tubi go tubi yeah although i don't know if watching on tubi would be annoying or not if it would make it disjointed with the commercial breaks i think it's worth it worth checking it out no matter how you can watch I have it. a drowning by numbers party and everyone has to come dress as a number <laughs> <laughs> and so it will be like a murder mystery party and someone might not survive the night <laughs> and then they have to go swim in the ocean somebody get somebody gets drowned by the end of the night yeah you're so weird and you were drowned by a number <laughs> <laughs> all right so do you have anything else to say i love drowning by numbers <laughs> we got it go watch it uh so what's our next one it's a Michelle Boy, pick. These are we're getting <laughs> yeah. two or three Michelle ones in a row. So once were warriors, which came out in 1994, directed by Lee Tamahori. A family in crisis, a life in chaos. Nothing is more powerful than a mother's love. Not mother love, a mother's love. <laughs> An abundance of mother love. A drama about a Maori family living in Auckland, New Zealand. Lee Tamahori tells the story of Beth Hiki strong will to keep her family together during times of unemployment and abuse from her violent and alcoholic husband starring Rena Owen and Tamura Morrison my man and Cliff Curtis oh yeah Cliff Curtis Uh, I don't think any of the kids had shown up in stuff we've seen popping up everywhere for us so I discovered this one thanks to Letterbox Twitter, mm. thanks to Viola Davis. Oh, I forgot that's where you <laughs> heard about it. Yeah. So Viola Davis did her uh, top four favorite movies during an interview with Letterbox, and this was one of them. And I looked it up and was like, hmm, New Zealand. That's really we're cool. We're going there. Um, and she said it was super powerful, and I hadn't heard about it. So I'm like, oh, yeah. all right, I trust her. I want to trust Bela Davis and watch this movie. And it was insane. It is insane. It was like one of the most hardest movies to watch because it's so violent. Yes. Domestically violent. So violent. In more than one way. <laughs> yeah. And then I made Harper watch it when he had the COVID. I got the COVID. <laughs> so. These are the COVIDs that we use. Yeah. This movie was insane from like a violent and powerful way um but i wasn't prepared for rena owens performance because it's like crazy that she didn't go on a bigger better things like i think she has a couple roles in the star wars films but they're very minor and it's just crazy because she feels like uh who is she another like linda hamilton or something or uh um What's her face from Strange Days? Um, oh my God. Oh yeah. Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. Yeah. It's another one like this that like mm-hmm. her and both of these women deserved to be like huge stars. Yeah. Huge. Um, huge. And then it was just interesting to like learn about uh, this family and all their, I mean, 
on paper, it's like, okay, how many bad things can happen to this one family? You might be surprised. (laughs) So, and then you get to see if it's going to make them stronger or destroy them. Yeah. And sort of finding your own voice. And I think what's super interesting about it, I'm going to make a really odd comparison here, but it, in a way it reminded me a little bit of like the shining, the book in that it does this interesting thing that like, uh, all of the characters are super vibrant and complicated and, not very easily defined. Like yeah. Tamora Morrison is like in most movies, this guy would be like pure villain. Like mm-hmm. he beats his wife. He's not like a good guy in that front, but he's like this really complicated character. And, and that happens like 30 minutes into the movie. And by that point, you kind of like him. Well, yeah, he does a good job of charming everybody. Yeah. Which I guess is part of his. Yeah. I mean, that's part uh, of the deal. Yeah. Um, But, and the same with Rena Owen, like she's this, like she's kind of, uh, first at the beginning, she's like getting on to him because like he quit his job or I can't remember exactly what the details, but something like that. And he, he's like, Oh, but I got you a fish for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but then like, you know, her and him like have fun at this party, but then they both get drunk and things go it really badly, very quickly, very yeah. violent. Um, and then, you know, and I don't know, there's the whole like guilt tripping thing of like, Oh, why do you stay with him? Mm-hmm. Or, um, yeah, so and she there's like interesting family background where like he like came from a poor like city background and she is like almost like a princess from from uh like a Maori tribe who you yeah. know left home to be with him. And so there's just all this super interesting complicated relational stuff going on and even with the kids too. Um and yeah, it's super dark but also really, really engaging. Just really good. Yeah. And I also think that it stands out because it has its own like unique style and editing too. Yeah. So it's not just like straightforward drama. Like it has some interesting visual shots and stuff that they added in that I liked. Mm-hmm. Opening credits are super interesting. It almost feels like it's got like kind of a punk aesthetic a yeah. little bit. Uh. Was there a particular thing, favorite part, or that stuck with you, or is it kind of all of it? I mean, yeah, the whole it's hard to say without spoiling too, but like, I don't know, there's like five. The ending is insane. Yeah, there are like four or five really awful things that you're just like, whoa, yeah. I cannot believe it got even darker, it got yeah. harder to watch. Um, so yeah, this is not uh, a light yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> you probably should be like prepared for it. It was funny, you told me that. And then I'm watching, I'm like, why? It's just like, you know, <laughs> oh, they just don't get along sometimes, but they're, you know, they they love each other. And for us to be like, like, that Whoa. movie is violent. Whoa. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's this like, is probably. This is like realistic violence. I don't well, watch Well, it's probably often. the most like unabashed, like doesn't look away from domestic violence yeah. I've ever seen in a movie for sure. Um, what's bizarre is that there's also a sequel to this film yeah i wonder if so it's based on a book i wonder if the sequel is based on another book or if it's just purely a sequel to this and it was like a lot later right it was like uh came out in 99 so like five years but yeah i mean it also takes place five years later so oh my god i didn't realize the director of this is the guy who did the edge (laughs) and along came a spider yeah this is, was his big break. I think he... Um, Die Another Day. Triple X State of the Union. movie. <laughs> Weird. Where he went I mean, after the, that? Who knows? The Edge is really good. <laughs> I don't know about all these others. 
Um, so, yeah, you'd have to be in the mood to watch this. Prepare yourself that there's going to be a lot of violent imagery. Uh, similar films? I'm not really sure. Yeah, is there a... How do you... I always forget how you look at that on Letterboxd. Let's see. It's at the bottom. I'm looking through these, but, I mean, maybe Boys in the Hood? Yeah. American History X? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, kind None of. of these really Mer- fit. American History X is kind of a good comparison. History of violence. <laughs> Florida. Anyway. Yeah. Hard to compare this to anything. Definitely worth seeing. Just prepare yourself. Yeah. It's very, very good. Um, but luckily, it's streaming in a lot of places. Hoopla and Canopy, if you have a library card. Hoopla. <laughs> I think you can rent from Amazon. Yeah. There's a fire truck going by. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I was glad you got me to watch this for sure. Did you, duh, I'm not trying to pick a fight. <laughs> did you watch any of the stuff that I like was trying to get you to watch this year? Yeah, there were a few movies I watched. They just didn't make the list, Harper. Ouch. <laughs> well, yeah, you watched some of my discoveries from last year. You watched yeah. uh, The Collector. Plus, like, we watched Drowning by Numbers because you bought it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, but I was glad you got me to watch it because I really liked Once Were Warriors for sure. Next movie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's the only way to introduce it. Yeah. Party Girl. She's a party girl. <laughs> came out in 95, directed by... Hey, lady! Daisy Von Schuller-Mayer. Sassy, savvy, and definitely clued in. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> she did that inventing Anna movie last year. Hmm. Never watched it. Yeah, me neither. Although Mary has little income, she still she finds ways. She did the ways... Madeline movie. What? She still finds Sorry. ways to spend her nights at clubs. After being arrested for throwing an, uh, an illegal rave, she asks her aunt Judy for bail money. Judy then finds Mary a job at her library (laughs) so that Mary can repay her. Initially, Mary finds a job as a clerk boring and stifling and prefers to get to know a street food vendor whom she likes. However, Mary must refocus her life once she loses her job and apartment. Starring Parker Posey and Omar Townsend, Lady Bunny. Uh, Lady Bunny. I think... That was a drag. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Person. Uh, Eve Shriver. This director also directed a movie called <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we know a little bit about that. <laughs> um, a lot of familiar faces. Very like 90s cast young people. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, so we heard about this because it was playing a special screening uh, it was a Plaza Drome screening during the film fest, mm-hmm. Atlanta film fest. Because Fun City was uh, putting is putting put this out on Blu-ray this year, and so it was part of that release. <clears throat> yeah, uh, we saw it on the big screen with a big crowd, which made it funnier, and um, I liked it a lot. It's very uh, library focused, which I appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, that's as true. someone who was going through library school at the same exact time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It felt very relevant to our lives yeah. when we saw it's this. Like it's me. I'm the party girl. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those movies that, like, without Parker posing, it would be like okay. Yeah, maybe. But <clears throat> like her her performance is really what makes the movie super interesting. Mm-hmm. But it does the movie does have really fun like fashion, like super ridiculous '90s fashion. The music's cool. The script is really clever. Um, but yeah, Parker Posey is 
Yeah, she's the she's woman. She's great. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. There was definitely a lot of favorite lines that we said, like, hey, hey, hello. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think if there's any other parts. Oh, there was something about, like, they watch movies on the TV. Yeah, and- <laughs> they watch movies. They watch television. They watch movies on the television. <laughs> yeah, that part was funny. Um, what was that thing in the shot? Her and her room, or like, roommate have to take a shower at the same time and remember there was something really funny in that scene i'm trying to remember what it was i now. can't remember <laughs> but yeah anyways there are a lot of great moments in this film it's very funny and um i don't know it's like the I- idea that like this super you know just kind of vapid i don't care about anything but planning parties character that kind of gets thrown into like an academic surrounding could have like turned into like Billy Madison, yeah. <laughs> but it's feels instead it feels much more like genuine and actually, and very, very funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it too. Yeah. It was, it was especially great. fun to see it in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on Tubi, Criterion, Peacock, uh, Canopy, Pluto. <laughs> and the Roku You can channel. rent it on Amazon, Voodoo. <laughs> It's everywhere, apparently. Surprisingly very available. <laughs> um, so that's Party Girl. If you want a 90s comedy with Parker Posey, She's a this party is the movie girl. for you. <laughs> oh, man. Is it time, Michelle? It's time for Harper's favorite movie of the year. <laughs> it's the story of a Harper and a Michelle. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> This is the Brady Bunch movie from 1995. You heard Harper right. Directed by Betty Thomas. They're back to save America from the 90s. The original 70s TV family is now placed in the 1990s, (laughs) where they're even more square and out of place than ever. Oh, my God. Starring Shelley Long, Gary Cole. Christine Taylor, blah, 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 blah. RuPaul. Florence Henderson. <laughs> yeah, RuPaul. Gene Smart. Uh, I'm looking for... Michael McKean. Yeah, Michael McKean. That's what I was looking for. Uh, yeah. Uh, Davy Jones. Yep. <laughs> he has <laughs> a titular role. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so, I made you watch this for my birthday extravaganza this Indeed. year. Because I had ago. seen it when I was younger, and I remember thinking it was really funny and quirky and weird. But now, watching it like 20 years later, I can really appreciate just how oh my God. bonkers it is and how great it is and all the more subtle things I missed the first time around. <laughs> this is almost certainly the most and hardest I've laughed at a movie all year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This is... For sure. It was. It reminded me of when we watched Polyester and I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was very much like that where I was like, I, I will never this laugh is more so than this moment. <laughs> funny. Um, I mean, th- obviously the setup's really funny. Just the, And it's just so weird that they made this. It like, is a little bizarre. <laughs> um, but yeah, the way it opens with like the normal people in LA is just like a bunch of assholes. Mm-hmm. And um, look at these assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they're like, oh, I got to convince those Brady's to move out of their house. And then it cuts to them and they're just like, and it's like so... a sitcom inside their house. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's like filmed just like the TV show. And yeah. they're all this like, well, when you 
tell a tale, you're actually yeah, a tattletale. When, when you're tattletale, <laughs> when you tell, when you're, you're a tattletale, tale. you're telling a tale. But is that really the tale you want to tell? <laughs> I never thought about it that way, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Um, but it's like there was a. I was like, this is a funny idea. But then when they get to this part. <laughs> We're, so Jan, you know, has like an inner voice where she's like, I can't believe everybody's paying attention, <laughs> uh, you know, and um, <clears throat> they, uh, she goes to like the high school counselor. Who is played by RuPaul. RuPaul. <laughs> uh, and uh, RuPaul starts talking about how his inner voice is that she might have paranoid schizophrenia. <laughs> and I literally about fell off the couch <laughs> laughing. I was like crying. I was laughing so hard. That's such a funny idea to yeah. throw that in there. Make it like very serious. Um, but like yeah, get, and then Jan is just crazy the entire movie. Oh, she's like a she's like a psychopath. Uh, Gary Cole is ridiculous with all the life. He's lessons. so like monotone too. He yeah. plays it so straight. <laughs> um, uh, I like that. There's the, there's a scene where the maid, uh, like so when Jan's sneaking out of the house at night, the maid appears in the background in this like super weird like pseudo bondage <laughs> outfit or something. You're like that's weird. Yeah, I never explained it. Um. Jan's dreams are really, really yeah, funny. They're crazy. Uh, Jean Smart is this the super thirsty she is neighbor. So good in this. Oh my gosh, she's <laughs> she has a, such a minor role, but every time she's on screen, she steals yeah, it. Yeah, she's only in like two scenes. I think there's some deleted scenes which we need to watch, but <laughs> and uh, she's constantly just screaming at the top yeah, of her lungs. But or Michael McKean's character, he can't understand the youngest Brady girl because she has a lisp. Yeah, and she's like, "We're looking for your mail, <laughs> whatever." And he's like, "What?" For like the third time, and she just goes. Uh, She's asking if you got any of the Brady's mail. <laughs> but like under her ice mask. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. She's really funny in this. Oh my God. There's a, And she's like obsessed with all the Brady boys. It's really yeah. creepy. <laughs> she's like, why don't you two boys come inside and I'll make us, we can make a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my God. It's so funny. This mm-hmm. movie is so much better than it has any right to be. I'm dying to watch the sequel. <laughs> I don't think the sequel's as good, though. Yeah, it sounds they funny. Just take the trailer it a little was funny. Further. It gets incestuous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm really glad you liked it. I really did. I thought it was very, very, very <laughs> And funny. we were talking, like, how it's so weird because there isn't, like, a universal family now where you could make a movie that makes fun of them as much as like the Brady Bunch. (laughs) It's funny at the time this movie came out, it probably would have been the Simpsons or maybe, maybe uh, married with children or something. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the Simpsons was probably the closest thing to like a show that everybody watched more or less. I don't know. Yeah. It is kind of crazy that Uh, yeah, like 20 years later, like a secret cult comeback. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed <laughs> to find that there's not really like a good DVD release or Blu-ray release rather. And not many people, like it averages like 3.2 and we're yeah, probably giving on. it like four and a half, five four stars. Four and a half, four and a half. Because it's such a great comedy. It's really It's so funny. good. Like if you just happen to know what the Brady Bunch family is and like you'll enjoy this. Yeah. Because it makes fun of it so well. <laughs> it was This was fantastic. I really, truly love it. You also it. get, I think, the original maid and the mom show up for cameos at a few scenes. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, is it streaming anywhere? Uh, it's on Prime for free. For free. Definitely. And what are you doing with your lives if you're not going out and watching <laughs> The Brady Bunch? That's what I'm saying. I was trying to think of what would similar movies be like. 
Oh yeah. For this. Um oh well the one the immediate one I thought of was Blast from the Past as a definite similar. This is way funnier than that. Oh yeah, it's much better. But similar idea that like people from the fifties are thrown into like modern day LA. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I don't know about another comparison. There are none because it's too good. (laughs) It's just (laughs) incredibly bizarre and very funny. Um yeah. So yeah, go watch it on Prime. And laugh That's how your head's Harper off. became a Brady fan. You did. You did it. <laughs> don't watch. If you're looking for this, don't accidentally watch 80 for Brady. It's not a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> you need the 90s Brady Bunch movie. 80 for Brady is not going to show up on our top 10 list for the year. <laughs> sad to say. Sorry, Jane Fonda. <laughs> All right. So the next one. Uh oh. Discovered. Apart. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry, we haven't done any of your yours is the last one. Yeah, I get to end on me. <laughs> so mine one this is probably my favorite discovery of the year, although Brady Bunch is very fresh still. <laughs> uh, I watched this uh, a couple months ago. But um this one is Mary Jane's Not a Virgin Anymore from 1996, uh directed by hey, Sarah Jacobson. <laughs> That's crazy. We've had three Hey Ladies in a row. That's pretty cool. That never happens. Um, so Sarah Jacobson's super interesting because she, uh, was a director in like the New York underground cinema and was real popular and she died really, really young. She was only like 33 or something. Yeah, I think 33. Um, so this is her only feature film, which is super sad because it's excellent. Um, it was on, it's on an AGFA disc is how I saw it. And I think that's the only way I heard about it is I'm just always looking at AGFA stuff and I was like, that sounds kind of interesting. So, um, uh, no tag, <clears throat> no tagline, but a high schooler from suburbia gets in touch with her sexuality while working at a dingy movie theater in the city. That's a terrible description <laughs> of this movie. So here's what the movie's really about. At the beginning of the movie, she has like her awkward loses her virginity in the back of a car moment, uh, and then uh, goes to work and is like, "Wow, like is that all it is? <laughs> that was awful." Um, and so basically, it prompts her to start having these conversations with all of her friends and coworkers about their first times. Um, and they work at like a crappy movie theater, which mm-hmm. very much reminded me of where we met at a crappy movie theater. We didn't, or where, meet, we didn't meet there, crappy. but where we dated mostly. We watched movies from the beginning. Um, but this is like a super indie, like kind of punk aesthetic movie. It's very like DIY shot on, it's gotta be 16. Um, but the characters are super real and interesting. Um, Interesting because they're just like normal, boring people. <laughs> like there's nothing crazy that happens in the movie. Um, it's really, it's just basically their like date, inner relationships and dating and them all talking about, you know, what it was like when they first had sex. And the editing is super interesting because they do these moments where like they'll cut to like the fake like rom-com version of what you think the scene's about to be and then cut to like the reality, which is like mm-hmm. obviously way less like, you know, Hollywood. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just super funny. And the cast is really good. The The soundtrack is really good. It's just got like this super kind of homemade feel to it that, um, you know, not in like a shot on video kind of way, but in a very like, um, like somebody we know could have made this movie, in a, but in a good way, like, yeah. you know, like it feels like your friend made this movie. Um, so yeah, I don't know a whole lot, but uh, uh, I'll say my favorite scene. There was a part. I sent you a video of it where, so one of the characters is, um, she's pregnant 
with her boyfriend and she's not really sure if she's going to stay with her boyfriend or not. And she's like, the other day we were sitting uh, in the living room watching TV and the baby started kicking and it's making my stomach bulge. And I was like, uh, honey, look, uh, feel, you can feel the baby. And he was like, wait, I got to get the video camera. I'm going to film this and then put it to a racer head music. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was really funny because they're a bunch of like film nerds. Um, so yeah, I think you would really like this movie. Uh, I really dug it. It's definitely my favorite discovery of the year. It was one that I was like, wow, I wish this is a movie I kind of wish everybody has seen. And I'm guessing it's like 90 minutes or less. Uh, let's see. I mean, it's, if it's on shot 16 on 16 miller, 95. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't mention anybody who stars in it because I don't know that they're, yeah, most of these people aren't in much else. Um, but yeah, that's Mary Jane's not a virgin anymore. High, highest recommendations from Harper. It's not, sadly, not streaming anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can look for that Agfa disc, or it might even be on YouTube or something. Cool. Are we on to our last one? We are. <sighs> Discovered a part. So I watched a movie without you called The Day Trippers, which came out in 1996, directed by Greg Motola. It's a family affair. Eliza Damaco <laughs> thinks her marriage to Lewis is going great until she finds a mysterious love note to her husband. Concerned, she goes to her mother for advice. Eliza, her parents, her sister Joe, and Joe's boyfriend all pile into a station wagon to go to the city to confront Lewis with the letter. On the way, the five explore their relations with each other and meet many interesting people. Starring... Hope Davis, Pat McNam- McNamara. McNamara. <laughs> McNam- no, it has MCN. McNamara. That's how McNamara? you say that. McNamara. McNamara. <laughs> and Mira Parker Posey. Leave Schreiber, Campbell Scott, Stanley Tucci. Marcia Gay Harden. Anybody else? Uh, I don't know. Uh, mostly watched this for Parker Posey and Leif Schreiber and Hope Davis. Um, but I heard about this movie because it was recently added to the Parker Posey Criterion channel block that yeah. they have, which also has like Party Girl and stuff and Josie and the Pussycats. Um, but I had never heard of this and it looked a little quirky and it was pretty short. So I was like, why not? This looks like it could be something. Yeah. And it was something. (laughs) (laughs) It happened. Um, But this is just like a great little family drama. Uh, It's set in the, I mean, it takes place in the 90s. So there's like no cell phones or anything. And it's like, so it's really interesting that the wife finds this love note, but it's like a poem. And they're like, oh, we have to ask like, Leif Schreiber's character because he went to college mm. and like he knows all about poetry and like he, even he's like stumped and then like they just keep showing this note to like more and more people until they can figure out what the context is for yeah, it. That's funny. Um, and so it just starts off this little weird journey or quest to find the husband, but along the way f- try and figure out who the her husband is and would he cheat on her Mm. would he is he actually in love with someone is this nothing and like so the mom is 
super pushy and just like, no, we have to confront him face to face. We can't do this on the uh, over the phone and yeah. stuff like that. And then they have issues because they're running all around the city because he's not where he's told people he's going to be. Mm. And so they're kind of like stalking out like the address of the person that they he was supposed to be with and yeah. until he pops up. It's a funny idea. Yeah, and so they like interact with all these different people and like each one within the family, they kind of have their own little moment cuz like the dad is just like a typical dad. He's just like head down driving the car, dealing with everybody and yeah. like kind of keeping to himself. And then the mom is like super pushy and of course there's going to be like drama between them and uh Hope Davis and Parker Posey are sisters. So like they have their own like weird little language that they jokes that they make with each other. Yeah. But the standout for me kind of was Leif Schreiber being in a comedic role because it's like a very subtle comedy role for him, but he played it so well. It was like, why didn't he ever do more roles like this? I don't think I've ever seen him in a comedy, really. Uh, I mean, I guess some of the West Anderson I was going to say kind of of like Scream three kind of but he's not very (laughs) like comedic scream two i don't remember who his characters are in french dispatch asteroid city and isle of dogs but i I don't either that's weird uh you know not as um saber tooth in the x-men movies (laughs) yeah um but yeah he usually falls into like action roles yeah so it was very refreshing to see him in this because i showed you that one scene that i thought was just hilarious and he didn't even do anything he was just like awkwardly standing and was like this is hilarious it was really funny yeah he's got a really good sense of like physical comedy yeah um but yeah it was super quirky and it's more of like a quiet comedy it sounds very much like kind of like an indie college comedy yeah i was gonna say it's kind of similar to holdovers i guess like that same vibe um uh but it's just very natural. The cast works really well together and it's just dealing with like very real issues that they're, and I'm not going to give away the, there is kind of a twist, but I won't talk about it when they figure out what's going on. Yeah. But, um, it's very interesting. It's like a little odyssey with a New York family or New Jersey family yeah. <laughs> in a station wagon. Do you think I would like it? Yeah. I yeah. Do. I think I would too, based on the way you've described it. It sounds really fun. Yeah. Um, it's on Criterion Channel and HBO. Cool. So there's two ways to go see it. And that's Day Trippers. So, yeah, if you like Holdovers, maybe Royal Tenenbaums, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are all pretty similar. But this is definitely more the indie, like, Sundance film. Yeah, it feels very <laughs> sundance for sure. Uh, but I guess that wraps up our top 20 discoveries 21 technically because i squeezed in a a cheater (laughs) (laughs) but we're gonna mention some honorable mentions now real quick yeah uh let's do let's alternate you go first all right the kindred uh we briefly talked about this i can't remember if we got a chance to talk about it or not I think we did. Okay. Uh, but The Kindred's a horror film that came out in the 80s, I believe. It has really good practical effects and a very unique story that makes it interesting with these little like creature things. Here's a fun game you can play when you watch The Kindred. Try and guess which character is going to turn into a fish. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a creepy like lullaby that plays throughout. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> um, here's one. Uh, the Third Man, which I had seen before, but you had not. No. 
and just you know oh that third man <laughs> this was this your favorite of the noirs we watched probably yeah it had a cat in it <laughs> i don't think we need to go into that because we just talked about the third man but um yeah that one's awesome um go ahead the Sentinel, another horror pick that we watched where it's kind of like uh, investigating a creepy apartment complex and possession slash ghost, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe Some, something more sinister. A, a few questionable decisions. Uh, yeah, there was some not-so-PC things. But <laughs> very cool movie. You can hear us talk about it on the Hooptober episode. Yeah. Um, Intruder, which we watched at our Halloween party and we have not talked about on the podcast, but that's the uh, grocery store set slasher movie from the 80s that has both the Raimi brothers in it. Um, and a lot of, it's, it has definitely feels like a Raimi movie, uh, but just crazy kills, really goofy kind of story to it. It's really, really fun. Uh, the Legacy, which has a cat on the poster. It's yeah. another horror film, um, but it has Sam Elliott with the best hairdo ever and his now wife, I forgot her name. Uh, Catherine Ross, I think. Yeah, and they're like kind of roped into this weird inheritance thing that they and that it's like, oh, we're trapped in this castle and we can't get out because literally there's like magic. It was one of several <laughs> movies we watched this year or that I watched for sure that involved um, mansions in England that are inhabited by Satanists. Yeah. (laughs) But you get a steamy shower scene with Sam Elliott. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's the legacy we all want. That's good. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Uh, Bloody muscle bodybuilder in hell, which was the shot on video masterpiece. That is basically the evil dead uh, remake in Japan made on a camcorder or whatever. (laughs) That was, Back me up on this one. It is super, super fun. It is. Uh, very, very funny. And really short. It's like 62 minutes or something. <laughs> uh, you want to tell us about the next one? No. <laughs> uh, the Fifth Chord, which was one of the one of the Giallo, Gialli movies that I really wanted to talk about and didn't get to, but it's uh, I think I talked about it when I watched it. Um, super gorgeous. I think... Uh, I want to say it's might have the same cinematographer as The Conformist. So uh, gorgeous cinematography. It's one of the best shot jallos I've ever seen and just a really cool mystery. Uh, the Leather Boys, which is a 60s movie about biker motorcycle gangs and a controversial subplot about homosexuality that the- they kind of touch base on the gays they're riding the motorcycles yeah that's what's going on um so the guy's like hey we're not gay we're just we're just dudes who live together and (laughs) yeah uh, share a bed touch our wieners (laughs) occasionally it's no big deal it's no big deal um but it's really really um it explores like all these different relationships and finding love and what happens if you get young married too young and i don't know there's this cute subplot where it's like Gran and Pete. I just put Pete and Gran. I want the uh, spinoff series yeah. <laughs> where like the grandmother loves his leather boy partner. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, it was really, that was another one we watched on vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Limbo, which is the other, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's the only other uh, shot on video one I wanted to mention that is the most Lynchian thing I've ever seen that actually earns that <laughs> title for once. Um, and it's directed by a lady. Hey, lady! Uh, Tina Krauss. Um, but yeah, just like super surreal, strange shot on video horror movie that I really liked. Limbo. Uh, oh, and also 
what have they done to your daughters, which I've been gushing about all year trying to get Michelle to watch. Blah, blah, daughters this, daughters that. That's the really cool, it's uh, kind of a cross between a giallo and a, I don't know how to say that. It, it's like Policita or whatever. It's like the Italian police crime sure. movies that were happening around the same time. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, just this super cool mystery and it's got really great characters. Um, definitely one of my top like two or three giallo movies for sure. Uh, Tommy, <laughs> 70s movie by Ken Russell. It basically, what is it, that Who song? Pinball Wizard. Yeah, Pinball Wizard. It takes that to a thousand times degrees musical adaptation. Uh, it's bonkers. It's crazy. It's nonstop. Oliver Reed. It's uh, <laughs> Elton John in huge shoes. You thought the big suit was weird. <laughs> Look out. Here's the big shoes. Um, I wish you had like could tolerate musicals just a little because the more you watch it, the more engrossed you get. Yeah, I don't and know it's if I just like this, this is insane. Also, I'm not that crazy about the Who, but here this well, is weird. It's like is minor aspect of it? Is, is it? I mean, I thought there. It's about the story. Are they? Of is a, Roger Daltrey not in it? Barely. Oh, okay. Actually, he might be the main guy. I thought he was the star of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't sing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I was going to say funny connection. Remember, he's also in The Legacy because it's yeah. his mansion in real life where they shot it. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah, he is Tommy. But it doesn't have that much to do with Eric the Clapton's in it as a preacher. <laughs> right. And it's the visuals are just insane because I mean, it's Ken Russell with a musical production yeah. it's insane you showed me that one scene with elton john with his giant shoes the shoes are so big um, jack nicholson's in it peter townsend tina yeah. turner Boy, another person from the who that's so yeah. weird uh there's so many people tina turner yeah she's she's great in it what a pair <laughs> um next one was god told me to that lady put gold gold told me to <laughs> God told me to. That's what I always imagine when I read it. <laughs> uh, well, I always thought the name was God told me to kill because that's what the poster looks like. It's called. Um, yeah, it's Larry Cohen movie about the guy. Well, I can't. You just got to watch it. You just have Am to. I right? I watched this on my own and then I rewatched it with you and some friends of ours. And yeah, you can't really know what's happening. It's a movie that you will it's never guess. It starts. It's a detective. <laughs> Uh, going after this it, there's a bunch of seemingly unrelated murders where people just say God told me to <laughs> God told me to and that turns into <laughs> you will never guess where <laughs> uh, Strange Days which we talked about in a Catherine Bigelow episode right here right now <laughs> also right here. it's a New Year's Eve movie so you should watch it because yeah. New Year's Eve is coming up if you haven't we watched it like at least once, maybe twice this year. <laughs> maybe just once. We watched it once. Um, and we were like, we should do an episode on this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what prompted us to do a Catherine Bigelow episode. Um, but uh, It's yeah, more sci-fi than it sounds. If you haven't watched it this year, you must watch it on New Year's Eve. It would be so cool to watch it on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Uh, last one, I wanted to mention a movie called Bloodstream. It's part. Uh, it's from '85. It's part of that Michael J. Murphy indicator box set where this guy made these like super on the cheap kind of homemade movies, mostly horror and fantasy movies. Um, this one's about a guy who uh, his like he made like a direct video horror movie, and then the guys who like distribute it ripped him off and like changed it up and didn't 
uh, give him credit and all this stuff. So he's like seeking revenge to kill, kill the people who are responsible for messing up his horror movie. So it's got a very like meta, uh, sort of screamish vibe to it, but very like homemade and DIY really, really fun. Cool. Um, so those are our honorable mentions of all our 2023 discoveries. So that's about like 35 movies that you all need to add to your watch list if you At haven't seen them. At least Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you could recommend one movie off the whole list. Drowning by Numbers, okay, yeah. obviously. Mine's probably Mary Jane's not a version anymore, but yeah. And then Brady Bunch and then is Brady a Bunch. palate cleanser. Watch Once We're Warriors and then... <laughs> pretty punch yeah, yeah. <laughs> to feel better about feature. yourself <laughs> um all right so now we're going to move into our mini segment segment <laughs> where we discuss our favorite 2023 movies of the year All right, it's time for our top 10 of the year. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that part. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the way, <laughs> the way we're going to do this, I'm taking this format from uh, the Colors of the Dark podcast. Are we're, we're stealing. We're gonna, well, they took it from somebody else, too. Who did they steal oh, it I from? I can't remember. Um, and they stole it from another person. So we're going to do our countdown. We'll Basically, we'll alternate. So I'll do my t- to number 10, you'll do your number 10, and we'll go down until we get to number one. But if I name my number 10, <clears throat> my number 10, and it's higher on your list, you just say higher on my list. And we'll, higher on my list! And we'll come back to it when it's on your list. What if it's lower on my list? Well, then we'll have already talked about it. So it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm going to breathe, laugh right into the mic. <laughs> All right. So who, want, who should go first? You. Okay. My number 10 is... Killers of the Flower Moon. Higher on my list. Okay, so we'll talk about it in a minute. My number 10 is All of Us Strangers. Not on my list. What? Okay, so what do I have to talk about then? Whatever. We. It's number 16 on my list. So All of Us Strangers, directed by Andrew Hay. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast We yet, did, right? we just didn't talk about spoilers. Oh yeah, right, that's right. So I'm going to spoil it this no, I won't um cuz it's still pretty new. But this is the one with Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal and he's like revisiting and Boy, his childhood. And yeah, and kind of having a maybe imaginary, maybe not imaginary conversations with his parents. And I just really liked uh visually how it looked. I liked how mystical atmosphere it had surrounding it. And I like that they didn't gloss over a lot of the like modern topics of like him being gay and how his parents would really react Mm -hmm. being like parents from the eighties and not understanding anything. It's like, no, it's normal now. Like, no, that's not an issue now. Like, yeah. But then also still having like real relationship conversations with his parents and like, this is how I turned out. I hope you're satisfied or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, uh, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, we talked about it on the show. I really, really, really liked it for the first like two thirds. And then mm-hmm. the last third, I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm crazy about it. Like, I didn't hate the ending, but it went in a different direction than I, that I yeah. didn't like as much. Um, but I did really like it. I mean, it's, it's in my, how many movies did you watch total this year, by the way? New, um, new movies. 
New movies. Ooh, let me see if I can figure that out real quick. Oh, sorry. I thought you had a whole ranked list. I have a whole ranked list. It says 43. Okay. It's probably 43. Mine's 46. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it's number 16 out of 46. That's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it's probably got the same score as my number 10, mm-hmm. I would guess. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all of us strangers. I... I'm fine with the ending, and I wish I could talk more about the spoilery stuff. Yeah. But it is kind of a sad, sad movie. So maybe not the most like exciting top 10 pick. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number 10. All right. My number nine is the one that I guarantee is not on your list, and you're going to be like, really? Really? Uh, that is The Venture Brothers, Radiant Blood of the Baboon Heart. Really, Harper? Yeah, see? <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if that's on my list. I don't be. think I counted it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I missed that one. <laughs> so, I mean, this was the movie that capped off the whole show that I've been watching since I was like 16 or 17 years old. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's a weird one to have in a top 10 just because if you didn't watch the show, you could not possibly watch the movie. It would make no sense at all. It's um, true. It would make no sense. So it's not, you know, it's not just like a movie I'm just going to recommend to anybody. But if you'd like the show, obviously you would lo- adore the movie. Mm-hmm. To me, it was like, you always worry about like the ending of a long running show and a show like this that, I mean, it's only had what, seven seasons or whatever, but it's literally the on, on it's air. Been, it's been on, on the air for like 20 years. Yeah, for us. I've been following the show for like two thirds of my life. <laughs> um, and so I was very worried it wasn't going to end well, especially given that it like got canceled and the movie was like not how they wanted to do it originally. And yeah, anyways, uh, and it's fantastic. It's like the perfect ending to the show. It does wrap it up really well. It wraps up all the like loose threads that you wanted to know about, but it adds like a whole new, you know, interesting story that you didn't think was going to happen and does all kinds of fun callbacks without feeling like too fan servicey. It's just perfect. It's yeah. exactly what I wanted from it. And so it's like, it's a four and a half for me because it was like, you know, I would have given it a five if that wouldn't have been super ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but I just loved it so much. And you did not. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't count it. I guess I just skipped over it. It's a new movie. There's a lot of new movies. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, Venture Brothers. Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. Which is such a great title. And actually is not just like a goofy title. Like it actually makes sense in the in context the last five of the movie. Minutes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my number nine. I thought that was your number 10. That was my number nine. 10 was Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, see, I'm already confused. You d- just, just go with it. <laughs> so my number nine now? Yeah. The Holdovers. Okay. That's not, a, it, that was my number 11. I was okay. so close. It was either that or Killers of the Flower Moon. I was on the fence about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so The Holdovers, directed by Alexander Payne. This one has Paul Giamatti, uh, Dominic Sesse, and Divine Joy Randolph. And it's about a student who gets left behind for Christmas break um, with a handful of other students stuck in the school with nowhere to go. Um, And we recently saw this one, too. But I was surprised you didn't have it up higher on your list. I really, I thought you really, really yeah. loved it. I mean, it's one like I, I was. We were talking before we recorded, and it's like what tends to happen is like the movies that just don't make my top ten, like this one, yeah. are the movies that will probably end up being like my favorites a couple of years from now. I'll look mm-hmm. back and be like, why wasn't that like way higher up on my list? I mean, this one's not like 
super unique. It's like, I don't know how often I will rewatch it in the future because it's very like holiday specific, mm-hmm. but it's like really great. Like kind of, I guess it's 70s vibe mm-hmm. um, holiday movie about family relationships and grief and like dealing with loss. And it has serious moments, but then it has like very old Paul Giamatti grumpy old man moments. It's very funny, funny, but also super. I mean, that's what Alexander it has a good Payne, balance. Yeah. yeah. That's what Alexander Payne does so well is it's like very real in the sense that it is very funny, but also kind of heartbreaking in a lot of moments. And, and I mean, I think those three main characters are some of the best performances of the year. Yeah. And it's like a small cast. It's very like simple premise. Like, Hey, he's home held over. What crazy stuff's going to happen. And then you get Paul Giamatti. You want to say your favorite line? Uh, You, sir, are penis cancer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's like, I can safely say <laughs> from all of my experience that you are penis cancer. I've known cancer. you since you were a child. <laughs> you are penis cancer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh gave Alexander Payne another chance. So he came back. Yeah. No, I really love downsizing. that movie. <laughs> uh what is your number eight? Number eight. This is the one that I'm like. I guess I was like, I gave it a four and a half, but it was early in the year. I don't know. It's Infinity Pool. That one did not make my top 10. That's like my number 12. Our top 10 is going to be very different. Apparently. apparently. Um, so Infinity Pool is the Brandon Cronenberg movie with uh, Alexander Skarsgård and his wiener. <laughs> his and, wiener, um, wiener gate. <laughs> actually, we never saw the like. A hog cut. Yeah, the, <laughs> the hog cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. Um, James! 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 You're acting like a baboon, James. <laughs> I mean, that's it deserves to be our top 10 for that. I'll let him quote it all year. Since it came out in like January or February, we're still quoting yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it's about the people who are staying at like an isolated resort in, a, I think, a fictional made-up country. Um, like a war-torn country. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, basically they get, they, they exit the resort and they keep breaking the law in this like fictional, you know, maybe Middle Eastern or African country. It's unclear. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, and you know, and then they get arrested and the whole deal is that like they can get out of it because they just pay a fine and they make like a clone of them that they then execute. Yeah. And so there's this weird moral quandary where they're like, you get into trouble, but there's no consequences. So it's this really interesting idea that's got a lot of body horror stuff but is also very much like you know about rich people being able to get away with everything and taking advantage of these like more poorer countries who are like desperate for their tourist money Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's just super interesting and really dark really dark um and just you know yet another like outstanding performance by mia goth she's like becoming the queen of crazy weird horror <laughs> stuff i love it just a little bit but i do love alexander skarsgård in this too i'm married no. <laughs> yeah no alexander skarsgård's really good in this too um but yeah i really liked it i, I want to see it again i want to see that hog cut <laughs> <laughs> um it was close to my top 10 but i think yeah i got kicked out a little bit and i still don't know if i i think i enjoy possessor more maybe yeah i need to i really want to watch both of the like unrated versions of both of those because we saw just i think we only saw the theatrical versions of both and i'd be curious because yeah i don't know which one i like better they're both really interesting and clever Mm -hmm. and creep very creepy yeah i would definitely revisit this one yeah it's just like when am i in the mood for like (laughs) 
clones Yay! and Mia Goth yelling all the time. Man. I'm always in the mood for Mia Goth yelling. <laughs> um, so what's your number eight? My number eight is May, December. Higher on my list. Okay. Uh, my number seven is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Higher. Okay. I'm surprised by that. I actually thought that wouldn't make your list. My number seven is When Evil Lurks. Did not make my list. What? Number 17. Man, wow, our lists are so different. That is really Although interesting. Although our top five are probably the same. I'm shocked by this. <laughs> I didn't. I, I mean, I thought you liked it, but I didn't you liked it that much. It was so unique. What's not to like? So when Evil Lurks was directed by Damien Rugnut, was it Argentinian, Argentinian mm-hmm. horror movie? So probably nobody but like two of our friends have seen this one. It's on Shutter. Yeah. Um, but... We kept hearing about this one um, from like film festival talk about it being super intense horror movie. And we talked about it before. This is the one where like in this Argentinian world that this guy created, demons exist. And there's like the government has to get rid of them and like with specific people. And But it slowly unfolds throughout the whole movie. So you don't know if this is like a one-off thing or like... Yeah, like is this just like a religious Yeah, like this guy's just real Or like, it's like possessed. the whole world. Yeah. It's literally like possessions and like demons are just like... It's like a it's like an epide- a, p- a pandemic almost. Yeah, uh, but it was really gory. There was some really uncomfortable scenes. Oh boy! Um, but it never felt confusing, and so I just thought it fit together really well. Um, it's a depressing horror film, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, my it would have been much higher on my list if we got to see the cleanser or cleaner person at the end, if we got to see her do her thing a little bit more. Yeah. That was my only real complaint about the movie. I was really disappointed because her character was super interesting. And then she just kind of, I won't, I won't say, but yeah, she doesn't get to do her, what we're excited to watch her do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really loved it too. It's it like I said, it was like, it's number 17 on my list. It was right behind all of us strangers. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I liked it a lot too. Um, but yeah, won't be for everyone, but that's probably like one of the few horror movies, the only horror movie on my top 10, I guess. Yeah, I guess Infinity Pool is on mine. I, and there's one other one that's arguably a horror movie, but yeah, interesting. Um, so yeah, When Evil Arcs, what's your number? That was your seven? Yes. Okay. My number six, Barbie. Hi, Hi, Barbie. <laughs> All right. So we really just do all mine until we get to yours. <laughs> well, my number six is Killers of the Flower Moon. So okay. at least we could talk about that one now. That was my number 10. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh, so this is Uncle Marty's newest movie. I'm just going to call him that forever Uncle until Marty. like I forget why I started calling him that. <laughs> <laughs> but Killers of the Flower Moon, it has Leonardo DiCaprio, Lily Gladstone, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons, Tantu Cardinal, uh, lots and lots and lots of people. Yeah, big cast. Um, um, it's about oil being discovered under the Osage nation land and the Osage people start getting murdered one by one because all of these uh, fellas move in, try to marry people who have the land rights and then just kill them off. And then the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. The BI. Before just the, the FBI. FBI. Uh, but this, I was a big fan of this because I haven't, I liked most of his little 
movies but haven't loved them and this one definitely stood the out recent ones you mean yeah of his recent like i didn't like silence we didn't like silence didn't the like Irishman Irishman. was kind of a miss so yeah. maybe that's why it's higher because it's like oh he's, he's back, back. <laughs> he did it uh but also i just loved how it was filmed and it was like this guy knows how to make a movie and i appreciate that <laughs> If it, if it had been it's a, not a Marvel movie. If it had been an HBO three-part miniseries, it would have been the best thing of the year. <laughs> I mean, they could have done that and well, just shown say. it in theaters at least once. Yeah, that I mean, that, fine too. To me, that would have been the way to go. There's no reason to make a movie that's over three hours long. I am pro three Absurd. or more hours. Bring on the six-hour cut. I have a movie higher up on my list that is... I think three hours. Yeah, long. there's lots of good three hour <laughs> so movies. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll All right, my we're words. gonna do a three plus hour episode. Oh, the God. best long ass movies out there. <laughs> I can barely manage to get an episode put together the day before das it comes boot, out. Das boot, das boot, das <laughs> boot. Um, Probably Apocalypse Now. But yeah, <laughs> but I agree. Uh, Kingdom of the Fire Moon is awesome. I mean, it's in my top ten too. Um, well, it has some great performances. Really good performances. Really fascinating true story. Mm-hmm. Um, an excellent score. It might be my favorite score of the year, actually. It had some great like signature elements and like the like photo stuff, like making it look old. The mm-hmm. production design was crazy. It was bloody. There, yeah. ble- there be blood. <laughs> uh, just talking about how good the score. I was gonna say it's the best score of the year, but I actually might, there might be one that's better that didn't make anywhere near my top ten, although <gasps> I really liked it. Was that Ninja Turtles movie? Oh, that movie was awesome, but it did. It's oh my god, Ninja Turtles isn't on my list either. I've okay, so I probably have seen forty six movies. I just forgot to log three to look of at mine, them. Yeah, I, the, <laughs> I, there's only like a couple movies on this list that I saw without you. I'm so bad at. I saw apparently. like Shin Ultraman, and uh, I don't know. There might only be one movie I saw without you on this list. So well, yeah, I probably totally forgot about stuff. Ninja Turtles. Oh, and Shin Kamen Rider, yeah. both the Shin movies. Um. Yeah, because Ninja Turtles was great. Yeah, it was great. Um, but didn't make my top 10, although that's another one that probably will go up in my estimation mm-hmm. over the years. But <laughs> it has nothing um, to do with Killers of the Flower Moon, except that they both have great scores. Yeah, what about sound for Killers? Was it good or bad? Nope. I can't remember what you said. I had issues with the sound, actually. But we liked the radio show. That's sound. Oh, I love that. I love the, <laughs> the, end, the whole ending um wrap up with done as a radio show is really really yeah. really cool no they were just we- just like his last three movies there's all these weird moments with like terrible ADR and really poorly recorded dialogue and there must be a reason for it and I don't understand it's mm. really odd for a movie that costs like a gajillion dollars well I like Killers of the Flower Moon. yeah I mean I did too my, my apparently two. not as much as I did no you liked it four spots higher than I did <laughs> So that was my number six. Mm-hmm. Do you have a six? I gave my six already. It was Barbie. Uh, so my number five is one that was uh, higher on my list, and that's May, December. Oh, okay. So May, December is the uh, Todd Haynes movie with Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman and some young guy who everybody keeps talking about. <laughs> I don't remember his name. Charles Milton. Charles Milton. Um, but uh, yeah, Julianne Moore is, she was... Um, a like 30 year old woman who slept with, had an affair with a 13 year old boy and then went to prison, but was pregnant and had his baby. And now they're married. It's like 25 years later. And, um, that they're making a movie about that story. And Natalie Portman is the actress that's going to be playing her. And so she's researching the role by hanging around with them. 
And so it's just like the most, probably the most complex, interesting, um, super messy character study of the year, I think. Um, with all three of the characters, like, I mean, the the kid is such a, a victim and he's clearly so messed up, even though he like has a family now and he's like yeah. in his 30s. Um, but, uh, and Julianne Moore is just like a mess. She's, she's whack, and, as your mom says. Yeah, mom's review is, these, <laughs> these women are whack. whack. <laughs> um, but it's super interesting because you start the movie thinking like, oh, Natalie Portman's going to be like the normal person who comes in yeah. and is like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe this. But she's like, just as kind of manipulative very emotionally. Weird. I think that's the part, like, I keep seeing more and more reviews about how people are upset that it's getting labeled as a comedy. And then I was like, yeah, it is pretty depressing because the guy, Charles Melton's character, he loses in every aspect of this yeah. movie. He lost when he was a kid. He's losing in his marriage. He's losing when he thinks Natalie Portman's in love with him. Yeah. And it's like, he just gets used the entire time. Women be shopping. You know? <sighs> they do be shopping. Um, <laughs> no, but it's just super interesting because, yeah, there's uh, there's just like a lot of layers of stuff to talk about and think about. And mm -hmm. it's just really, really well done. It's super engaging. Um, it was just one of the movies this year that I was just like totally absorbed in when we were watching it. Yeah. Um, so I really loved May, December. It was definitely I mean, it's number five for me. So that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I liked it, too. Um, what, what number was it for you? I think it was eight. Okay. Not too low. It's just like, will I really rewatch this? Yeah. That's usually what it comes down to. Like, will I watch this again? And will it hold up? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, most of these that have been on my list, I will probably rewatch again. I mean, Barbie is one of the, is the only theatrical movie that I saw twice this yeah, year. Yeah, we didn't make it back to Oppie. Op yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was my number five, May, December. My What's number five? five is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah, that was my seven. So this was directed by Joaquim Dos Santos and Justin K. Thompson. I believe that's Joaquin. Oh, Joaquin and Kemp. Powers. Kemp Powers. Like, that's a Kemp Powers. superhero name. Uh, so this was the sequel to Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Was mm -hmm. that what it was called? <laughs> I know, I keep getting names mixed <laughs> Which up, Which came out a few years ago, um, and it reunites Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man, and a bunch of sp Spider Society people. Um... The voice actors are Shmeek Moore, Haley Steinfeld, Jason Schwartzman, Oscar Isaac, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Isa Ray, bunch of bunch of familiar voices. Um, but I just thought it was really really fun, and I think the visuals are still amazing. So it's probably going to be like it was my favorite animated film of the year. Um, I would definitely rewatch it. And I remember the music was really great until you said Ninja Turtles. And I was like, wait, Ninja Turtles did have amazing music. <laughs> this did have great music too, for sure. Yeah. Um, I love the spider cat. So I forgot about that. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like is that it ends. It's a part one of a part two. Yeah. But one thing I wrote in my review is that like thinking about other part ones, like Deathly Hallows part one or Infinity War, this is a yeah. million times better than either of those. Yeah. It at least like ends. Usually these part on a, ones are terrible. Yeah, and this one's you can deal with. excellent. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely annoying to have a feature film end on a cliffhanger, mm -hmm. but um, the movie is so wildly entertaining and fun and visually insane yeah I mean, it's, it's even more gorgeous than the first one which is hard to mm -hmm. believe um is just so so good yeah. it's really good i liked it a lot 
Um, and just felt like it's a, it's got really good, like emotional core to it too. That works very, very well. Um, and yeah, it's sad to that. I actually, when I was kind of refining my top 10, I was like, Oh, I feel kind of weird putting this on here since there was so much controversy after the fact about you know, people not getting paid. Yeah. I love the movie. I and then it turned out there were so many <laughs> problems like, behind the scenes with the <laughs> animators and stuff. It was like, Ooh, so I don't know. I hope that doesn't, I hope they're able to make the next one and do it right and make amends for those people. But yeah, um, yeah uh, the movie itself taken, you know, on its own merits is amazing. I agree. Yeah. So that was your number five. Yeah. Spider-Man. The Spider-Mans. So my number four, Oppenheimer. Higher. Okie <laughs> My number four, Godzilla. Higher. All right, so now what do we do? <laughs> now it's my now turn Now it's again. broken. <laughs> well, this one's not, certainly not on your list, I'm pretty sure. My number three is Sanctuary, uh, which <laughs> is way far down on your list, I Super far down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about this on the podcast uh, when it came out, but um, Sanctuary is by Zachary Wygon, who I think, I don't know if, yeah, I think this is maybe either his first or second movie. Um it's got uh, Margaret Qualley and Christopher Abbott and like nobody else. It's basically just the two of them. So basically the whole thing takes place in like a hotel room. Uh, Margaret Qualley plays basically like a professional dominatrix. And he, uh, Christopher Abbott is a guy, like a businessman who's inheriting his father's business. And basically he's trying to cut it off with her, like finish their, their like business relationship. And she like, isn't having it. She's like, I'm the one who got you here. Mm -hmm. Like building up your confidence over the last 10 years or whatever. And so it becomes like this, just like incredibly intense battle of wills between the two of them where it's like the lines between like, okay, is this like part of them like doing like a role play thing or is this real? Like it's very unclear. And it just gets crazy. It's funny. It's weird. It's interesting. But I think in the in the end, it's like uh, I think this is like the most romantic movie of the year. It, <laughs> it is not. It is oh too. It is too. <laughs> um, but also, I think uh, both of their performances, but especially Margaret Qualley, is like top. Uh, I mean, it's by a, a huge margin for me the best performance of the year. Uh, that and like probably Killian Murphy. Um, but yeah, I just, I love this movie. I saw it at the Atlanta Film Fest earlier in the year and it's really stuck with me. It's a good one. That's Sanctuary, not on Michelle's list. Yeah, I won't, I do think their performances are good and I'll just leave it at that because it's in your top 10 and not mine. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is Barbie. Yeah, it's number six for me. So Barbie, directed by... Hey, lady! Gerwig. Hey, Barbie. It's all about Barbie. I am a little over-fatigued by Barbie now. Yes. Um, but I don't want that to ruin, like, the magical happiness that it brought me earlier in the year. <laughs> yes. And it was such a fun event. Yeah. Like, Barbie, I think, pretty clearly won the Barbenheimer weekend. Not, I don't know, I, financially, I don't know, maybe, but, like... I think it was close. Pop culture-wise, it has become, yeah. like, such a phenomenon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, most people have probably seen Barbie. It just, it's about Barbie and Ken and, uh, women, <laughs> feminism <laughs> Some woman and the power. lack of feminism. Um, but I just love Margot Robbie as Barbie, although she's not that funny because Ryan Gosling steals the show and it's all about Kennergy and being Knuff and it's just really silly. Uh, it is 
definitely the most quoted movie in our household for the year. We constantly say the Godfather, the God, the Godfather, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Sublime. <laughs> Sublime. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. I'm ready for like everyone to stop talking about Barbie for a year and then I'll come back and watch it for a third time and be like, I love it. It's amazing. Well, and I am excited. (laughs) Well, not okay. I'm dreading how uh, production companies are going to mess up the lessons from this. I know. Instead of making a cool, clever, uh, super well production. Oh, best production design of the year. Yeah. By by a wide (laughs) margin um, for Barbie. But, um, yeah, instead of taking all the right lessons, they're just they're like, oh, let's just make a let's Bratz make, movie. Yeah, Polly Pockets now yeah. or whatever. It's like, it's no, like, that's not what, what we, we didn't want. like it because it was based on a doll. We liked yeah. it because it was a good movie. It had great music. Yep. Um, really good music. And the costumes Death. were great. Yeah, <laughs> everything. The script was amazing. So yeah, it has a lot of great things going for it. And yeah. I'm sure we'll be sick of it after the Oscars because it's just gonna be Oppenheimer, Barbie, nonstop again. Probably, yeah. Um, but I'm like okay it. with that. Um, so that was your number three. It was my number three. Okay. All right, my number two, I believe, was something you had. Lower. You're already on two. How? Well, yeah, you just gave your three. What was yours? Three. Sanctuary. Oh. So no, <laughs> number two for me is Godzilla minus one. Okay. Which that was where on your list? Number four. Okay. So I liked it better than you. You didn't say it. Godzilla. Godzilla minus one. Minus I did. One. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you do it though. Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla. Sadzilla. Uh oh. Where do I even begin? Where do you begin? I mean, we we literally Let's talked begin about this. at the beginning. <laughs> we talked about this on our last episode in incredible depth. <laughs> so yeah. I probably need to go in too much, but it seems like most of our friends have seen it now. Most, most. <laughs> we have. Are you talking about your mom? <laughs> we have one friend who will remain nameless, who is one of the like one percent of people who did. It like might even the be movie. like point oh one percent. Um. It's literally 1%, <laughs> according to Letterboxd. <laughs> um, but it's been a pretty big phenomenon uh, as it's come out. It's done like gangbusters at the box office so much that they keep extending the release to a bit more theaters and more longer time, which is great because Shin Godzilla was so robbed of that. Um, and I mean, it's just amazing. It's the best human story in any Godzilla movie ever by a huge margin. Um, but that doesn't, but also Godzilla's done really, really well as a total personification of destruction and guilt and, yeah, you know, um, and I love the war aspect for it post-war Japan yeah, and everyone like trying to get back to normal, but what is normal? <laughs> this is a super interesting period piece too. I love the Godzilla fight scenes. I think we both agreed it could use one more. Uh, but the atomic breaths first scene is oh, amazing. Man. I mean, and this movie's made for fifteen million dollars, which is like a fraction of a percent of what most blockbusters do. And this looks so much better and is a masterpiece of a movie. Yeah, imagine if they had more money. <laughs> it's. Uh, did you think this it was going to be, be my it. number one? I did think so. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was. It was very close, honestly. Because you love Godzilla. I do, and this is. I. It's in my top three Godzilla movies of all time, out of thirty-seven so the first Godzilla movies. Top one is definitely ninety-eight Godzilla when Matthew Broderick. Yeah, that's number one for sure. <laughs> it's the worms. Worms. Uh, but yeah, we probably don't need to 
drag on about Godzilla too much more because I hope everyone listening to this has seen it. If you haven't, get your ass in a theater right now before it's it leaves. It's probably too late, isn't no, it? No, they extended it another <laughs> week and put it in more theaters because like, people love Godzilla. <laughs> they demand the Zilla. Wow. So, that's Godzilla. Godzilla. Minus one. <laughs> it's a very sad movie. Yeah, <laughs> What's your number? Duh. My number duh is Oppenheimer. Yeah, it was my number four. It's funny. My top three have not changed since July. My number one hasn't <laughs> I changed. I think our number one is the we same. Since saw it in like April. Yeah. So Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's <laughs> uh, latest movie about Oppenheimer and the creation of the atomic bomb has... A crazy cast, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, who looks amazing. Can we get oh a round God. of applause for him? <laughs> Woo! Josh Hartnett. <laughs> Boy, we were so excited to see him in this movie. I know. He doesn't age at all. Um, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh, Benny Safdie, Jason Clark. Do you think somebody could make a cut of David Dasmalshian falls shows up? Oh wait, and everything and character actor James Urbania. Oh, the real star of the movie (laughs) with zero lines and about five seconds. I think he just turns around and looks at them. I'm glad somebody else made a meme about how exciting it was to see him pop up. We love James Urbaniak in this house. We're like, oh my god, it's James Urbaniak. Do you think somebody could make a cut of Oppenheimer where when he meets Josh Hartnett, he gives him? Pens full I of, wish, um, definitely. What is it called? Scat. Scat. <laughs> From uh, the faculty. <laughs> yeah, everyone you could want in a movie is like, in Here's this your plutonium, one. Doc. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's probably... What was this for you? Uh, this is Oppenheimer's number four. So, I think the best part about it is probably the visuals and production design. Um, I think the story is pretty interesting, but like most of his films, it's cut up in a very odd way that I thought was a little confusing. So yeah, it it takes a little bit to, if we had seen it again, which we will probably closer to the Oscars, I Mm -hmm. might rewatch it. Um, it would probably make more sense the second time around. Uh, there was some sound stuff that was weird, right? It's probably, I'd have to really think about it because I haven't really done like a list for sound at this point, but it's probably the best sound of the year. Best really? Sound. Oh yeah. I wrote that we had trouble understanding some parts. No, I, I don't really remember having that issue, which actually a lot of people said that about Spider-Verse too. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really with that either. Um, but, uh, Oppenheimer, I mean, just really, really cool sound design. I was really happy we got to see yeah. it in a movie with crazy sound. Um, but performance-wise, everyone's great. Cillian Murphy is not creepy at all. No, Ma. mom. <laughs> He's amazing. He's a handsome gentleman. <laughs> I do. Oh. It does still have the same Nolan stuff, though, where the women are all like... Uh, one-dimensional or die or drunk yeah or it is a little that was maybe my one act my one complaint that lost it like half a star was that um yeah uh both florence P- florence p is like her whole character is just like i'm a communist and i love you <laughs> and, or i don't <laughs> and emily it's emily blunt right yeah uh, emily blunt's whole character she gets one really really good scene and it was like man nolan why can't you do this yeah. more often she Use gets one her. great monologue essentially <laughs> But yeah, otherwise her character is just, I'm mad at you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and drunk. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, I wish he definitely still has that problem, which is hard to imagine that he's gotten that criticism so many times that he still hasn't really dealt with it. But the movie's so good, it's, you know, you can kind of overlook it, even though it is a significant 
thing mm-hmm. that he needs to fix. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, one of the things that's made me like it even more after seeing it is that I continue to see really cool videos about how they did some of the practical stuff and like yeah. all of that stuff in the beginning when it like seems like this very abstract physics stuff is all real. Yeah. That they shot. It's all in camera. And then I just saw a really cool one the other day. So, you know, the scene when he's like giving the speech and he's starting to freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, the background that's like vibrating behind him that's a in-camera thing yeah, the background is projected it looks totally real but it's mm-hmm. a rear projection and they sh- literally shook the projector see I wish I was so hoping there would have been more stuff like that throughout sure because you get like the black and white stuff which is in the future yeah and then you get like his him young not much happening but yeah the like more abstract stuff when he's actually making the bomb and everything related to like the bomb parts are really great it is it's also a movie that somehow makes it really exciting to learn the difference between like a hydrogen bomb and an atom bomb. And like, like they can go bigger. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's just really, really well done and takes like an incredibly complicated subject and, you know, boils it down to a way that is very understandable. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure this will win a lot of Oscars. It's a pretty good Nolan movie. Nolan finally going to win one? You think he's finally going to win Best Director? I mean, everything else is pushed till next year that had a chance. So right. it's either him or Greta Gerwig. Or Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Could be, um, I'd say it's probably between those three. Yeah. Uh, man, I was going to say something. Now I can't remember. If Godzilla, here's what I'm going to say. If Godzilla doesn't win Best Foreign Picture, I'm going to be furious. Mm. But it's probably going to be Anatomy of a Fall. Oh, look. This was a three-hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> is it over three? By it? one minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I still, I think I like Dunkirk way more than this. Interesting. I haven't watched Dunkirk in a while. The ones I always go to, Inception and Interstellar are the two that I always like come to in my head is like when I think of his favorites. But like he has like four or five movies that are five stars for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just funny because like this one is obviously a great pick for the year, but then I'm like thinking of his other ones like, well, ranked among his other movies, this probably wouldn't be that high on my list. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Cause yeah, like Interstellar and Inception and Dunkirk are way higher. Yeah. I tend to think Inception's probably his best movie cause it's also an original story yeah. too. But, but um, Dunkirk's so creative. Yeah. I mean, Dunkirk's love fantastic. It. And Dunkirk's love short. It's <laughs> only sub two hour movie, I think, yeah, right? I think so. Uh, but yeah, we love Oppie. Yeah. Good old Oppenheimer. Do you, have you, did you see that video somebody made recently where it's Barbie saying like, you're so beautiful. And she's talking to that old lady on the bench, except it's Einstein. I have He's it. like, I know it. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> it's a really good, really good edit. It's pretty funny. So do we have this? Was there any other ones? I mean, or is it was, just our number one now? It's just the number one. You ready to say it at Do the same we have time? a drum roll? No, but I can add one. <laughs> all right all right one on the count of three one two three how, how to, to blow, blow up, up a pipeline, pipeline. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> how to blow up a pipeline what a goddamn masterpiece nice good idea agreed so we saw this so long ago i think it was january yeah, I'm check. no see. april April 15th. Yeah, not uh, that long. But How to Blow Up a Pipeline is directed by Daniel Goldhaber. Um, And this is about a group of young environmental activists who execute a daring mission to sabotage an oil pipeline. And it's starring Ariel Bearer, Christine Froseth, Lucas Gage, Forrest Goodluck, Sasha Lane, 
Jane Lawson and Marcus Schreiber, Schreibner and Jack Weary. A very young cast, but they all are pretty awesome in this. Yes. This is this movie has been criminally under talked about and underseen because it is I mean Godzilla to me was the only thing that was even close. Like it was yeah. uh, like this has been my number one since the day we saw it. Like I it's never even close to wavered. It's so freaking good. Um and we got to see this at a special screening with the director. Yeah, and, which like is a really panel cool. of activists. Um but yeah, I think this was one of the most tense films of the year. It was super tense moments. And then uh, the editing was amazing. I remember like mm-hmm. in the theater, like you could drop like an, a pin because people were like basically holding their breath through yeah. parts of it. Um, and then I really liked that each character has like, you kind of get their backstories or are unfolding throughout the movie and so you kind of figure out like oh why are they doing this why are they doing this but it's yeah. not like a cheesy thing and then there's like a great twist that yeah. you didn't really see coming yeah the script and the editing are like superb and basically the way it's set up is like you're watching the heist unfold well it's not really a heist well but i was gonna say it's, it's, it's structured like, like a, a heist. heist yeah but yeah you're watching this uh you know them trying to make blow this pipeline up and every time something goes slightly wrong like oh, we're mixing the bomb and there's like a explosion mm-hmm. it like explodes and then cuts immediately and then you get somebody's backstory yeah and then like the next time something goes slightly wrong like oh, it looks like they might be about to get caught cut yeah. let's see somebody else's backstory and those backstories add slowly to the story and so you learn it's like oh is there like a mole in there that's yeah, like then a that plant adds to the or, or tension. not, a, not yeah. a mole but like an informant and you know are they gonna get caught or or is something gonna go wrong and they're gonna you know damage you know because that's the other thing is like blowing out the pipeline is one thing to like you know uh damage oil company property is the main point but you also have to do it really carefully so that you're not like <laughs> creating blowing an oil up. spill yeah, yeah. creating an, <laughs> uh, an environmental disaster and um I remember one thing watching it, I was like, all right, it's a little over the top. All these characters have these like, they've all been like personally mm-hmm. very hurt by, you know, oil or, or environment, you know, anti-environmentalism in some way. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, of course they did. Like, why else would somebody feel strongly <laughs> enough to do yeah. like a terrorist action? So it makes perfect sense. Um, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, I agree with all of that. That's why it's our top top movie of the year yeah it's <laughs> phenomenal and guess what it's like probably the shortest movie in our top tens i'll bet it's a little less than two hours okay yeah not I, that in short. my head i was yeah. thinking it was like an hour and a half but yeah this is how you make a super tight movie yeah it's excellent and it's on hulu so you can have no excuse yeah you have to go this watch is not it. some movie that comes out in january of next year yeah it's been out this has been out and you all <laughs> need to be watching it because it is the best movie of the year yeah um so should we go through our our top tens real quick yeah let's again? do it you do yours first all right so i'll start from number 10 all of us strangers the holdovers may december when evil lurks killers of the flower moon spider-man across the spider-verse godzilla minus one uh barbie oppenheimer and how to blow up a pipeline for number one all right, mine, starting with number 10, is Killers of the Flower Moon, Venture Brothers rating as the blood of the baboon heart, <laughs> Infinity Pool, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Barbie, May, December, Oppenheimer, Sanctuary, Godzilla Minus One, and How to Blow Up a Pipeline. That's a pretty varied list for both yeah. of us this year, too. We've got 
Do you, we, I have one horror movie in my top 10. Usually uh, I have several. Lurks. Yeah. And we've got some blockbusters, some super duper indie stuff. So two, well, I've got two animated movies in my top 10. That's pretty wild. And then some close ones for me. Yeah, what were like your... Anatomy of a Fall almost made it in. Yep. Yeah, and what's your like 11 through 15? I don't know if they're accurate, oh, okay. but Anatomy of a Fall, Infinity Pool were the closest. Ennis Men was up there. Yeah, yeah. Talk to Me was up there. Uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Um, Maybe No Hard Feelings. It was a good comedy. Yeah. You know what? I, I, would, I do have that on here. There were a lot of good, like, above average movies this year. Actually, it was pretty yeah. hard to pick. Because, yeah, even No Hard Feelings, I liked a lot. And it's pretty far down my list, actually. Mm-hmm. And same with, like, Ninja Turtles. And then I have, like, Dream Scenario, Saltburn, Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's not really in order. It's yeah. kind of just all over the place. My, like, next five are The Holdovers, Smoking Causes Coughing, Shin Ultraman, Anatomy of a Fall, and Evil Dead Rise. Evil Dead Rise is in my top 10 until like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people will think it's insane, but I loved that movie. That um, was probably, actually, that probably has the best sound in the, of the year. My bottom three, I think we have the same bottom three. Yeah. So, Bo is Afraid, Master Gardener, and Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> yeah, followed closely by Five Nights at Freddy's and Scream yeah. 6. Yikes, those were all wah, terrible. Wah. Wait, isn't it crazy? This is a year. That's one big <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> There's so much happening. I'm okay. Uh, what a crazy movie year that um there's a new David Fincher movie and it's like in the bottom. And Wes Anderson. List. That's almost at the bottom of mine too. Wait, what Wes Anderson? Asteroid That's, City. Oh my god, is that not on here? <laughs> I'm missing Asteroid City. Oh it wouldn't be on Our lists aren't to. even complete. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, Asteroid we are City so not, not prepared. <laughs> there was a lot of movies that I thought would be in my top 10 that are not like I thought bottoms would be like one of the best movies of the year, uh, which was just kind of okay. I had hopes for Asteroid City and Bo yeah. was afraid. Yeah, um, I did too. Until before... we heard people didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me was another one I kind of expected to be in that the top. That was kind of high for me. Um, it's, it's a, I mean, it's somewhere in the middle for me. Uh, but then there are a lot of surprises, movies that I thought I would have never seen in a million years that ended up being pretty good, like Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, Ninja I'm, I'm, Turtle the Ninja movie. Turtles one, yeah. No Hard Feelings is another one I would have never watched if we just didn't happen to keep hearing good things about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of an interesting movie year. Not not a great year for horror movies, but a, we watched a lot which are of a lot, horror. But um, <laughs> but a very good year for just kind of interesting movies of all kinds. I guess it's because so many movies got pushed that it was like. These are, I mean, most of the movies we liked came out either in the beginning of the year, really late in the year. So it was like nothing in between. So it was like the blockbuster stuff and then the Oscar stuff. Yeah. And just super quickly, what are are there any that we haven't had a chance to see yet that I don't think any of these would crack our top 10, but like, well, maybe poor things is probably the poor things in zone of interest are probably the two that have the most Yeah, It's very possible. Those ones will sadly, we're not going to get a chance to see before the end of the year. Um, but also like the boy and the heron, uh, Iron Claw. We didn't see past lives. Yeah, past lives. I really want to see suitable flesh. Cocaine bear. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, the movie I really want to see most of all is Booger. That one about the cat yeah. named Booger. Yeah, I would bet <laughs> Boy and the Heron, Poor Things, and what was the one Zone you just said? Zone of Interest are probably gonna be would be the three that would potentially crack yeah. the universe. Yeah. 
But who knows? Who knows? We might watch the creator and be like, all those people are nuts and we mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> Probably not, but we could. You never know. Um, but yeah, there's still a handful we really would like to watch. We'll have to catch them in January, I suppose. I'm so mad that I forgot Ninja Turtles. I can't believe I forgot a whole Wes Anderson <laughs> movie somehow. Oh, it's because I'd go back later and I add, like scroll through I, and add I stuff. I try to do it as I go, it, but yeah, so I guess I missed some. I missed some. <laughs> oh well, it's not complete. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's our top ten. But also, that was our discoveries of the year. So we, you, anybody listening, ought to have a list of like thirty movies they need to go. Yeah, rent over the starting holiday with drowning by numbers. Yeah, and also with Mary Jane's not a virgin anymore. Yeah. Um, followed by day trippers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so that's, that's, uh, our favorite things we got to watch this year, both old and new. Uh-huh. Um, I think we've mentioned our next episode. It's a big one. It's, it's not- our 100. That's right. Happy 100th episode coming our way. We so, have zero plans for it and it's going to be chaotic. W- one of those statements <laughs> is true. <laughs> We have lots of plans, but it will definitely be totally insane. We might have a special guest. May or may not. We'll see. Who has the need. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have the need. (laughs) So it'll be a wild episode one way or another, and we're really excited to put that together. But we're going to take a break over the holidays first. So uh, we hope everybody has a great holiday season uh, filled with lots of movies. Do nothing over your time off Yeah, if your family makes you mad, just put on a movie and watch it just put on mas- just be like oh you guys them. will all love this and put on master gardener and everybody will either leave the or hourglass sanatorium <laughs> yep. no but really the brady bunch movie will bring everyone together ain't that the truth so yeah it's really the the um <laughs> or once we're warriors the great equalizer <laughs> but yeah so that's uh that's our favorite stuff of the year but we'll uh we'll see you all in 2024 Woo! new year new you don't forget to follow us on all the stuff, Letterboxd, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Twitter doesn't exist anymore. You said that we tweet X. stuff all the time on our tw- on our Twitter, on our Zeter. all the time. Zeet all the time. At Spliced Podcast and on Instagram at Spliced Together Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you all next year. On, on another, another episode of Spliced Together. together.